house. No, the right no, house. I did it. Get we want to talk to Marilyn Hack. I'm from Canada water. The winner plots one step ahead of the opposition. We have to make it personal. You know the word annihilate? It means reduced to nothing. This is more important than my career. It's mind-boggling. You crossed the line. Genius. Bugging and completely unbelievable. It's about making sure you surprise them. And they don't surprise you. Hello and welcome to the This Had Oscar Buzz podcast, the only podcast that promises to wear a star-spangled veil to your funeral. Every week on This Had Oscar Buzz, we'll be talking about a different movie that once upon a time had lofty Academy Award aspirations, but for some reason or another, it all went wrong. The Oscar hopes died, and we are here to perform the autopsy. I am your host, Joe Reed. I am here, as always, with my co-host, Chris File. Hello, Chris. Hello, Joseph. How are you? It is I'm August, okay. finally. I just, I... I know. I just got off the phone calling my senator about this god-awful Nutella tax. <laughs> yes, truly we need to make sure that that's, that's what our politicians are all over. It's interesting how this movie accidentally has become very timely again. And of course, I do mean the Nutella-ness of everything. And, uh, <laughs> Nutella is very, very prominent in our headlines these days. And obviously, we chose Miss Sloan presciently because of that. Um, that is what we're going to be talking about, Miss Sloan, and I don't want to waste too much time. I know Chris and I could, like, you know, yakety-yak all day. We could... What if we had another ch- Cats chat right now? Just, like, waited... I feel like that might be necessary. Cats Corner. We have had listeners asking us to talk about cats literally every episode. Which, I, I looked at that request, and I laughed, and then I was like, but wait a second. Like... I, I had a thought know. of just, like, how many weeks between now and Cats could we cover one cat per week? Do we have, like, Jenny Any Dots talk just one week? and and I have... am not familiar enough with all of the Jellicles to commit to that type of request. However, I However. don't think... I don't think you have to request us to talk about Cats every week. I think... We're It'll just, just happen. Gonna ev- like whether, yeah, we're gonna talk about cats. It's what I love is the fact that, like, oh, we're gonna gonna get at least one more cats trailer. That's what I love. That like this this promotional rollout is just gonna keep rolling out, and that truly, I'm ugh, I'm so excited. All right, but I we do can't... hope that the next cats trailer at least kind of dispels the idea that the title well not the title song but the jellicle song and memory are the only like viable melodies in that musical it's like people forget that mr mistopheles doesn't exist right mr mistopheles is mostly so good it's it's there's there's a lot to talk there's truly a never ending or like how fucking insane the rum tum tugger is as a song where it's literally just about this asshole cat. Like, so many of those songs really boil down to just, like, this cat's an asshole, you guys. This cat will steal your shit. This cat will, like, be mercurial. This cat this doesn't cat like is to old. be... This cat is old. Yeah, right, exactly. This cat is old and will probably, like, slink off to some sad little corner of your house to die. Like, that's yeah. basically cats. It's... And honestly, Tom Hooper, 
can't I don't think Tom Hooper can handle it, but we're we're going to hold on and and we're going to see. So, but instead of talking about cats for the rest of this podcast, which we should do, we should wel- welcome our special guest because for this week's movie, we're talking about Miss Sloan this week. We knew we could not handle all of its legal uh, lobbying bombast on our own, which is why we reached out to our good friend, and I'm going to call it, he's a Jessica, not just a Jessica Chastain fan, but a Jessica Yastain. That's, that's, that's my <laughs> A Jessica Yastain. <laughs> Just a yes stain. And I'm going to go to jail for writing that and for speaking it aloud. So the rest of you two can uh, can talk about this podcast. No, we have my good friend, RuPaul's Drag Race Herstorian. And I said that one right. Kevin O'Keefe. Welcome, Kevin. Hi, guys. How hello, are you? Hello, hello. I'm, I'm sorry great. to make you suffer through Cat's Chat without being able to jump right in. I was bursting. I was like, <laughs> wow, this is my moment, and I can't I can't enter the scene too early. Tom yeah. would not appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. Um, know that I have seen the trailer before going out, like, pre-gaming. Oh, uh, it's such a good pre-game trailer. Yes. Oh, my God. No less you than You are the, uh, this episode's Mr. Mistopheles. You don't come in until late. T. T. Wow. I feel, and I'm going to try for a different life, so... Yes. Okay, that's the thing about that trailer that drives me insane. I just have to say, that's the thing that drives me insane about that trailer is they include the line where she asks, are you going to try for a different life without anywhere near explaining the concept of cats? So all these people who are just like, oh, it's about cats dancing are like, wait, what is this? But it, but the way Deranged. she says that is just like, are you going to try for a different life? And it sounds like, like fame or flash dance or something. Yes, it's just like yeah. I want to like I want better than what I grew up with or whatever. And it's just like, no, bitch, this cat's going to go to heaven, like yeah, literal no, it's about heaven. Fucking reincarnation. Oh yeah. What God. does worry me, particularly about that line being, I think the only spoken line in that trailer. I should know because I've watched it enough. Um, <laughs> What concerns me, what could make cats legitimately terrible, not just ironically terrible, is that they could be reaching for some type of contemporary metaphor oh, no. of like bullying or something that is going it's to just make the glee the of cats. genuinely terrible and like suck oh, the life it's the out of it. Right. Of cats. Like oh. keep it like keep 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 it weird. Keep cats weird or whatever. Like yeah. that's the message. Don't yeah. try to have a point or purpose beyond the spectacle of it. Well, oh this this sort of ties into the weirdness of the you will believe tagline, right? Like, we yeah. still don't know what that's about. And well, I to me, see- I always took it as like, like, remember how this, the, well, like, remember, because we were all, like, either not born yet or, or, or insanely too young, but the original Superman, the original Christopher Reeve Superman movie, the tagline was, you will believe a man can fly. And so that's sort of what I feel like with cats, is like, you will believe a cat can, like, do a ballet number and, you know, belt your face off or whatever. That's sort of okay. That's how I'm that's still ter- that's still terrible. <laughs> well, I also Absolutely I took the you will believe tagline as more of a threat. <laughs> oh, one hundred percent, it's a threat. Like, it's also, you will believe. It's the meme of Jennifer Hudson's Grizabella with the gun pointing at you, right? It's just like <laughs> you will believe. I like that. Oh, I anyway, for cats. All right, but we can't talk about cats today, which is both a shame and a blessing because we now have to talk about a movie that I had forgotten how much fun it is to watch. Oh. Like, oh. I will never forget how fun this movie is. Because I, I watched it the first time. I reviewed it when I was working at Decider. I, I reviewed it as a VOD release. And um, 
I had missed it in theaters because like the Oscar buzz had sort of like peaked and then died and it opened, you know, at the end of November. So it's this, um, you know, high, high buzz kind of a time. And I missed it. And then I reviewed it. I'm sitting like at my desk at work watching this movie to review it for the VOD release. And every like six minutes I had to stop and just be like, what the fuck? This movie is <laughs> both amazing and like deeply dedicated to entertaining my ass. Like that, mm-hmm. that I knew. So um, actually before we get to discussing it, because um, I want to, I want to do this right. I'll give the quick stats of it. Miss Sloan was directed by John Madden. It was written by Jonathan Pereira or was it? We'll get into my conspiracy <laughs> theories soon enough. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, starring Jessica Chastain, Mark Strong, Gugu Mbatha-Ra, Allison Pill, Michael Stuhlbarg, Sam Waterston, John Lithgow, and Jake Lacey. Hello. Uh, we'll and an important well. cameo from Christine Baranski. That is true. Yes. And Smoking Christine Baranski's the whole time. cardigan and... of power. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so good. Um, premiered November 20th, 25th, 2016, after having world premiered at AFI Fest on November 11th. This is Miss Sloan. Kevin, every week, Chris and I will uh, challenge each other to sum up the plot of whatever movie we're talking about in 60 seconds. You, as a guest, get to do that for us this week, if you so choose. I will do my best. I think you're up to it. I think you can manage it. Okay. Um, anything, any words of advice to give him, Chris, before he embarks upon his 60 seconds of whirlwind? Uh, just keep talking. Don't stop <laughs> talking i can do that all right kevin your minute begins now okay so elizabeth sloan lobbyist is testifying in front of congress in front of john lithgow aka senator uh sperling uh, about ethics violations she may have committed while doing her lobbying uh she was lobbying about the nutella tax in particular and something about indonesia the republic of indonesia he said seven thousand times anyway uh she, we flash back before that to when she left her old firm to go work for uh, lobbying for a bill that would increase gun control background checks. Uh, that's called the Heaton Harris bill. They say it 200 times in this movie the Heaton Harris bill, the Heaton Harris bill. She works with uh, Mark Strong, who has an insane name of Rodolfo Schmidt, and Gugu Mbatha who has the similarly insane name of. Uh, Esme Mancherian. They do very well. They get all sorts of senators to agree to vote for this bill. But it turns out Esme was actually part of a school shooting survival. She, she survived a school shooting. And she, uh, Miss Sloan exposes her. Uh, Esme's very sad. She loses a friend. Uh, Miss Sloan winds up getting investigated. But then she turns it all around and discovers that John Lithgow is actually corrupt. That is time. Very good. That is... There's a lot of plot to get into, and that's not yeah. even getting into like yeah. the final twist of like Allison Pill was a mole the whole time. Which oh, like, I couldn't okay, even bother with that. Oh my god! Allison Pill shows up in a movie in large glasses, and yes. you know exactly what purpose she is there to serve. Yes. It's like the movie opens with Jessica Chastain saying, "You always have to surprise people. There always has to be a surprise." Yeah, and then yeah, I'm yeah, pretty yeah. sure the first thing you see in her office is a bespectacled Allison Pill, and we're this like, movie's That's like her the surprise. fucking it's the fucking prestige, right? Where it's just sort of just like we're going to explain to you how the trick works, and then we're going to do the trick for you. And by the time we'll have surprised you, you'll have forgotten that you're even being fooled at all. It's it's so this this all right. So this movie essentially is an entire season of television, maybe two seasons of television, like smushed up into one, right? Mm -hmm. This is the kind of thing we get on TV these days where it's, you know, um, ethically compromised 
anti-heroin played by this is where like women will go to be like movies don't have good roles for for women anymore not like tv does and it'll be like you know um Catherine heigl and you know whatever tv version of this is on usa and I was just like watching the movie. I'm like, okay, that would have been the end of an episode. That would have been the end of the episode. Like the woman, when she exposes the blonde one on the team for being like the uh, funneling information to Michael Stuhlbarg. And I was like, that would have been a great episode right there. Like what a great reveal that would have been. And the Allison Pill thing is like, oh, that's some season finale shit right there. Like that would be, oh, and like, and I'm trying to think of like, how would a show like this be received on television because I don't think it would be like a top month like Emmy winner or anything like that because it's still a little too like dirty and um I don't know just like it's not refined right but it's like it could have been damages like it could have been even like you know good fight has those that angle too although good fight is less serious than this movie is right but I don't know like I would watch the shit out of this television show I think it would probably be like, you're right, like a damages style, maybe Chastain wins for one season of it, you know, that kind of that kind of yeah. thing. Uh Alison Pill gets nominated as the Roseburn type one yes. year, you know. Yeah, 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 um, totally. But I, I, I agree with you that it would not it would not be a big little lies type thing. Even though I actually right. think at least as far as season two is concerned, this movie is better than Big Little Lies. But uh <laughs> But yeah, it's it's uh I, I mean I, I picked it for the reasons that uh, mean uh, Molly's Game connections, because um, I really wanted to pick Molly's Game, and I forgot that Aaron Sorkin actually got nominated for that script, which... As it, did I. Yeah. Yeah, um, I think we all did. <laughs> yeah, I, I completely liked I remember being excited about that at the time, because I yeah. love Molly's Game. I yeah. love it. Um, it's but... on HBO every every hour on the hour. It like starts on a different channel. It like cascades <laughs> throughout the day, and I watch it every time it's on like literally I mean, i'll see it on the and the schedule and i'll just be like i have so much to do i'm like but you know what there it is and here we are and she's like you know she's either i catch it when she falls down on, when she falls on the slope and like almost breaks her back uh-huh. or i will catch it when she's just deciding she's going to take the rake with uh the when yes. the, with the female dealer is convincing her to take the rake, it's like yes. one of those two parts, and they must happen like on the like half hour and ninety minute mark or something because that's. Right. Uh, all right, wait, Kevin. We jumped ahead though, um, which we sometimes do. If you could ever, if you ever like followed along, listening to one of our episodes, and then could see what the outline was for episode, <laughs> you would see that we jump around like ADD addled like howler monkeys it's crazy it's like an amazing race map we're yes. not following it's like the marauders map line. yeah <laughs> right yes. it's we we've we've come to uh uh break the rules and commit mischief but kevin you being a first-time guest on the show we always do like to talk to our guests about what your oscars origin story is what got you mm-hmm. into following things like movie awards to whatever degree you do um mm-hmm. feel free to like you know acknowledge that we are more lunatic about this thing than most people but um to the degree that you you know follow this kind of stuff where did that begin for you i mean i used to be obsessed with it when i was like in high school and college i would say i think over time my obsessions have filtered a little bit um i remember so i my my origin of it all was i remember the year that dream girls was the front runner and oh, then yeah. suddenly didn't even get nominated for Best Picture. I remember reading the Entertainment Weekly article that was like, 
literally anything could happen now. Um, and I was fascinated by that, partially because I was a big Dream Girl stan, so I was like sad that it didn't yeah. get nominated, but yeah. then partially because I was like, I love the drama of like an anything goes race. Um, I had obviously watched, I believe, the year prior when it was uh, Crash that had won. Sure. Um, yeah. And and I was in a place with my sexuality where I was not 100% uh, as supportive of Brokeback Mountain as I probably should have been at the time. <laughs> um, so I was very much the sort of annoying devil's advocate being like, well, did it really deserve Best Picture? Uh, um, there were a lot of, I will say, I mean, you being a lot you know, of young, but there were a lot of people who were old enough to know better who yeah. also made that devil's advocate. <laughs> There were a lot of people at the time saying like, oh, well, it's so slow. Like, it's hard to connect to. It's not emotional. I mean, I'll say this. Even now, I don't love the movie, but I I respect it deeply and think it should have won Best Picture that year. Um, But, like, I connect more so to a Carol than I do to a Burt Bad Mountain, you know? Sure. Even though they're both kind of the same kind of thing. Oh, We love our Carol. Absolutely. We do love Carol. Um, yeah, so I got really invested the next year. Um, I was also really invested in that year because it was the Devil Wears Prada year, which, sure. of course, is one of my all-time favorite movies. Um, I remember thinking about that Best Actress lineup, and I think about that Best Actress lineup a lot. It's Because so you had... It's, it's maybe my favorite lineup the Oscars has ever produced of five actors, yeah. but also the, my least favorite of the five won. And mm-hmm. I guess it was that early on that I learned to be disappointed by the Oscars. Right, right. You can't ever get too too good of an experience. You always have to ha- be a little bit wounded. And that from that wound, that is how you, you get your drive to, yep. to keep following it. Yeah. Yeah. So I stayed really involved over the years. I, you know, especially during those first couple ten years. Like, I was very invested in the precious Hurt Locker, sure. Bastards, Avatar year. Um, that was one where, like, my personal pick would have been Precious, but, like, to to fight the good fight, I had to jump on the Hurt Locker bandwagon. Like, sure, I, absolutely. I was that was very much like Americans being introduced to the idea of coalition government, where it's yeah. just like, <laughs> you had the Precious people, and you had the Hurt Locker people, and maybe even some of the, um, like, up-in-the-air people or whatever, and they're all looking yeah. at Avatar and being like, how are we going to beat this thing? And they all had to, like, shift their support with this way and that, and... You know, Precious got the screenplay Oscar, and you know, I think Inglorious Bastards. Well, Inglorious Bastards got supporting actor, right? And then, and then her and also won the care. SAG Ensemble Prize, so it had right. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. This um, is where my Oscar naivete sometimes, where I just like buy into these hard and firm ideas, like sometimes pays off for me when usually it blows up in my face because I was I never thought that Avatar would because I was like the the Academy is not giving best picture to a movie about people who are blue. Yeah. They're just not going to do it. <laughs> you turned out to be right, but at the time it was just so scary. And like, I can sort of look back at Avatar as like, it was this, it was more of a technological marvel than it was a movie. And I think yeah. that can still be important. And there's a petty part of me that's glad it held off Endgame with the adjusted box office or whatever, just because uh, I don't know if Marvel people got really obnoxious about trying to beat that record, and even though I really like <laughs> Avatar, it, even though it is essentially Fern Gully and Pocahontas, it is an original IP. Yes, yeah. I, I so I, I support that, um, but uh, I remember at the time it was just like we cannot. Like it was literally like movie people banding together, just being like, we cannot let this happen. We, yeah. we shall not be moved. Um, the funny so, thing about Avatar, though, is that like it kind of pr- uh, predicted this Oscars future where. 
you'd have one movie that's the big technical marvel that wins the most like the most oscars of that year mm-hmm. and then you have the good the story the sort of like the movie that you feel good about having that have having that movie have the best picture narrative the spotlight the moonlight the mm-hmm. um I mean, those are the two best examples. The 12 Years a Slave, yeah. Right, 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 yeah. right. right. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And so that wins Best Picture. And so, but the tendency for the big technological Marvel is that tends to uh, culminate in a Best Director win. Right. And so that was the one award that, like, Cameron could not win in 2009. We could not allow the brash... Uh, egotistical ex-husband oh, yeah. of the best contender we ever had for a woman to, for a woman to win best director. Like I, <laughs> the degree to which Cameron came close to that was astounding to me because it was just like, what? How am I gonna? How are we all gonna feel on the other side of this if like Cameron ends up winning this? And it's just like, wow, that yep. would be so shitty. That would have yep. been just <laughs> such a such a bummer. Especially with, like, Barbara Streisand presenting yes. that Oscar. Oh, yeah. Like, that would have sucked. Well, that's a moment where, like, you can't tell me that, like, the producers haven't been able to, like, peek in the envelopes and find right. out. Because it's the 100%. same thing. 100%. It's the same thing with when Scorsese won. And they had George Lucas, Steven Spielberg, and Coppola out to present the award. And I'm like, you're going to feel real dumb if this is Alejandro Gonzalez Iñárritu coming out. Yeah, you have to imagine some of that is heavy assumption, but sometimes it's so pointed, like, especially the Barbara Streisand example, like, she was so outspoken, and we've talked about this on some recent episodes, too, about the times that she was screwed out of it. Yeah. And, like, she could have been somebody who could have feasibly won at some point. Have I ever talked on this podcast about the clip from the year that Streisand got snubbed for The Prince of Tides, where it was, um, shit, now I'm trying to think of who it was. I'm not going to be able to think of it. I'm going to have to, like, cut this This does sound familiar that maybe you've... It was, like, two women who were presenting an award, and they just started, like, chit-chatting with uh, Barbara in the audience. They were out to present, like, best song or something like that. And they just started just, like, yakking it up with Barbara Streisand in the audience. Shit, now I'm not going to be able to remember it. You guys talk. I'll, I'll look it up. <laughs> okay, so you mentioned, like, this whole trend that's happening of, like, you have essentially your two movies doing battle where one of them wins a lot of the craft prizes and is, like, the respectable technical achievement, but then the movie that they really want to honor that probably is getting things like Best Picture, maybe Best Director in a Screenplay and an Acting Award, this feels like we are talking about an Oscar year that is the quintessential version of that. Yeah. And maybe some of that has to do not just with the Oscar narrative of that year, but what happened with the Best Picture snafu... Yeah, We're there was obviously about Moonlight La La Land. Right. Right. There's a lot to remember. There's a lot of Oh, okay, so I found it. It was Shirley MacLaine and Liza Minnelli, which So Liza, why don't you and I and some other real life human beings next year get together and make a musical of our own? All right. Yes. You know, but you should get that other buddy of ours. I mean, that, you know, the singer, the actress. That girl over there, the funny girl. The director. Right. The director that we, we would most to like to work with. <laughs> Some other life. Now. <laughs> 
Oh, I wish there was more of that now, honestly. Yes. Like, I, I miss that kind of... That was my big thing about... Because I... So I went to the Oscars this year, which was yeah. like a once-in-a-lifetime amazing thing that my friend who works for the Academy so was able to set up. And, yeah. and forever, I'm grateful. Um, that was the one thing that in the room I was really disappointed by about this hostless Oscars was it just went... So quickly. Like, I know that time And you're saying that as somebody who was there, who I imagine going quickly would probably be a virtue for people who have to sit through it. So if you're saying that as somebody who was, you know, ass in the seat. Right. Because that was, that's my thing too, of just like, it felt like everybody was rushing through it so quickly. Yeah. And there was no Like they had a death hammer off stage for people who strafe off script at all so that they could make that three hour time limit. And there was no sense of occasion. There was no sense of like, sort of lingering on like, what are the movies we're going to remember this year for? No, it was just like. I think that's why we felt so grateful, A, for some of the really good speeches that happened last year, but also that Brian Tyree Henry and Melissa McCarthy bit. Uh, yeah, which yeah. felt like the only thing that strayed off script a little bit. Agreed. I was yeah. I was gonna say I was so grateful for Shallow because it felt slowed down. Like it felt yes. like they mm. were taking their time. Yes. And I remember that slow walk to the stage, which of course I had an entirely different viewpoint on that performance because I didn't get the close up camera angle. You got like to watch all watching. the cameras moving around them and whatnot. And it yeah. was fascinating. Like yeah. I I'm so, so happy I got to see that because it was it was um beautiful to watch, but like watching them slowly walk up stage from up from you know, because I was nosebleeds. Um, yeah. watching them slowly walk up stage was just like you just I was like, yes, this is what I want. This is the pace that I want. Because that's, you know, going back to my Oscar history, like, that's what I love about it. I love the pomp and circumstance. I love right. um, the, the next year after the after the Hurt Locker year, when we get a lineup of movies that's so good as Black Swan and Social Network and Inception and 127 Hours and all these amazing movies. And, like, they take the time to really celebrate all of them. Yeah. Um, and that's where I really got into it. I think I tailed off a little bit. I had to cover the Oscar So White um, controversy right. when I was at Mike. And I, that was a big signature issue for both me and the site. Yeah. Um, and I loved the push for that. I loved – I will always stand Cheryl Boone Isaacs for being – so much of a great leader during that time and the leader that the Academy needed at that time. Yeah. Um, I can't wait for Taraji P. Henson to win her Oscar playing Cheryl Boone Isaacs. It's yeah. a moment. <laughs> oh, man. Um, a dick poop moment will really, really be yes. uh, tremendous with, with Taraji, for sure. Yes. But I think after that, my my um, I sort of felt like, okay, the Oscars are getting better. I don't feel the need to be as, like, dogged about it anymore. So I've sort of right. taken a step back. But, I, you know, I... I, I think this past year was the first time in years that I hadn't had to cover the Oscars. And it was, you know, obviously being there was a different experience. I'm sort of looking forward to next year, like, getting to watch it at home, you know? Yeah. Like, because I haven't yeah, yeah, just yeah. watched it. I'll go to an Oscar party or something. Like, God, I, I literally haven't had that experience since I was in college. So, yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, that's, that's cool. sort of my abbreviated Oscar history. That's, I, I, it's always, it's always so interesting to hear about the different years that, that pull people in, honestly. Yeah. And you are, of I course. I think that's the first time that we got the Dreamgirls year, which obviously oh, yeah. I love that answer as a massive Dreamgirls fan. It's because yeah. Kevin is unforgivably young and we will. Uh, and unforgivably gay. Again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to that now jump into 
why i mean i think the answer to why did miss sloan have oscar buzz in the first place is very very simple i don't think there's a lot of moving parts to this i think it's it begins and ends with jessica chastain because even when you talk Mm -hmm. about like oh john madden directed it john madden who directed uh shakespeare in love and um also mrs brown which was a best actress nomination for also proof which we will eventually talk about well that's the thing it's like it's those two it's mrs brown which was an acting nominee and then shakespeare in love which was a best picture winner and then it's literally just a litany of hey this had oscar buzz you might want to cover captain corelli's mandolin and proof Mm -hmm. and even something like the debt which was i think one of the first movies that one Jessica of the Chastain movies that introduced us to Jessica Chastain. Right, in the right. Movie. That was the first big glut. She played the younger version of Helen Mirren, if I'm not mistaken, right? In The Debt? Yes. Opposite Sam Worthington, which was also, like, that was great. That, like, immediate aftermath of Avatar, where it's like, we are going to make Sam Worthington happen, y'all. And oh, they tried. They tried not. so hard. Yeah. That's what I also always love about, because is he, do we know if he's going to be in the Avatar sequels or not? He is. Which is but crazy. to my understanding, it's focusing on their children. Oh, okay. That's probably for the well, best. Well, it's been long enough. Yeah. <laughs> that is true. I um, also still don't believe those movies are coming out. I, oh, I, never. No, it's it's the Lucy Van Pelt with the football of our lifetimes. Like, it's right. just going to keep getting farther and farther away from us. But then the cool thing about John Madden is, 2011, he gets uh, tasked to direct the best exotic Marigold Hotel. And I genuinely think that, like, the charm of those movies comes from um, not only the cast, those casts are great, but it comes from uh, Ole Parker, who's the screenwriter, because especially if you watch Mamma Mia... Here we go, yes! which he yes! directed. Like that movie has the charm of what I love about the best exotic Marigold Hotel movies. So I feel like those ones, I can you can sort of see where the vision for those comes from. So like not to like take away credit from John Madden, he's a director. I'm sure he made some fantastic decisions, but I think the prime mover of what I love about the best exotic Marigold Hotel movies was reflected so much in what I loved about Mamma Mia. Here we go again. That I'm like, oh okay, mm. this is it. This makes sense. It's like uh, Wonderful Actors Hanging Out movies is yeah. a genre that is still untapped. Like, I think we get bits of it with something like Book Club, you know, which I wouldn't yeah. argue is like a great movie, but like a wonderful white watch because... Did you say a wonderful so, white watch? Because yes, that's... Uh, well, I did not, but it, you know what? Maybe so. This is a white? <laughs> and a white? Um, yeah. But yeah, no, uh, Mamma Mia, Here We Go Again, which obviously came out the same summer as Book Club and featured the same hunky uh, uh, Andy Garcia. Andy Garcia. <laughs> uh, uh, no, I, I just, I, I get the same vibe from them. You're right. It's like this, like, okay, here's all of these amazing people yeah. drinking wine, hanging out, having a good time. Like, it's, 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 it's rare that, like, I want to see a movie multiple times, and those yeah. movies are very much that, because it's just like, yeah, I want to spend time in this world. Kevin, would you say your affinity for those kinds of movies dovetails with your affinity for Broadway productions where people walk around and acknowledge each other? Uh, and <laughs> you know what? Maybe so. Maybe so. You know what could have made the ending of Mamma Mia even better is if Ghost Merrill had just walked around and, and just touched everyone. everyone well, what, is, what is the super trooper ending of that movie, if not everybody taking a moment to walk around the stage and acknowledge each other. And acknowledge yes. each other. It was the cinematic version of that, yes. Yes, and I think we cracked it. All right, good. Yeah. We, cra- we cracked it. But I will, like, you know, all credit to John Madden. The reason why 
this uh, Miss uh, Miss Sloan had Oscar buzz is Jessica Chastain. Yes, I mean fully Jessica yeah. Chastain. Yeah, because she seems like somebody who in 2016 probably should have been in line for winning. Yeah, I mean, I, I would have. She given feels her further away from it now, but like this is close to like a most violent year being a close ah. call for her. She's yeah, so that was a big one movie. for you, Kevin. I will rave about the most violent year till Kingdom Come. I. I yeah. I absolutely think she should have been nominated for that. It kills. I mean, I know who won, who got in instead, and it was Laura Dern, and I'm thrilled about that. Yeah. But that was a year where the supporting actress list I would have almost entirely subbed out. I think Dern may have Dern and Arquette I would have kept. Yeah. Um, Same. But uh, I wanted Kristen Stewart for um, uh, Still Alice, which I know you guys have talked about on here. She would have been Um, on mine as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She would have been on mine. Yeah, I wanted Jessica Chastain. Was that the Gone Girl year as well? Yes. Yes. So yes. I would have had um, Carrie Coon. Well, mine's Kim Dickens, actually. I both really oh, was. she's so good. They're both yeah. so good. Yeah. Yeah, but Carrie Coon was on my ten. Um, I had a, I literally had a list going to ten, and I think the only Oscar crossover was Dern and Arquette, which I actually liked those two performances a lot in terms of like what they said about each other. In terms yeah. Of you got these two performances by mothers. Oh, yeah. Um, who were who have di- these very disparate effects on their children? Um, so yeah, so Justin would have been on my list that year. Uh, for a most violent year, uh, Miss Sloan. Uh, I don't know if I would have put her on any list, but certainly it contributes to why I love Jessica, Jessica Chastain. Um, I think she has a lot of incredible talents, and I, I enjoy watching her in a variety of things. But do I love watching her deliver fast-paced dialogue while you know verbally kicking people in the nads? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, it truly is a sweet spot for her. We have found. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And this is yeah. like this is the perfect one to do it. It's all of the reviews for this movie mentioned mentioned her, but they mentioned that the movie comes across as sort of Sorkin light or Sorkin esque. And of course, hmm. she did Molly's hmm. games. Uh, well, okay. So here's my conspiracy theory. If you will indulge me for a second, <laughs> which is jo- uh, Jonathan Pereira is the screenwriter of of Miss Sloan. If you look his at his IMDb. It's his first credit, and he only has one other credit right now that is in pre-production. Is the movie called Rio that I don't know if we can say is actually going to happen? Um, it's and it's and he's on the writing. He's got a writing credit along with like Stephen Knight and Rebecca Lenkowitz. So it seems like it's like Stephen Knight's not writing the movie with him, probably. So like, there's this is clearly a movie that's gone through like rewrites and whatever. And my I've developed this theory that. Jonathan Pereira, which who I like can't find. Like also his IMDb is like no photo, no bio, no anything. And like what writer, if he's getting his first big credit, isn't going to go to IMDb and make sure that like there's a bio of him there and there's a photo of him there and making sure that like his info is out there, right? So my theory is that Jonathan Pereira is a is a pen name for Aaron Sorkin for like I don't know like lesser work or like more like you know I'm just gonna like take a lark and maybe get around uh, a exclusivity contract I've got somebody I don't, I don't know I'm just throwing ideas out there I'm just throwing stuff at the wall to see if it fits but if you watch this movie it's like there are Sorkin ticks in there and also half of the cast are Aaron Sorkin people like yes. Sam Waterston. I would from maybe the buy that if it was an older, like if it was like, 
if we imagined Miss Sloan as a script that sat around Could for have been. Aaron Sorkin for a while and someone gave it a little bit of a polish. But like, there's like the the um, like Molly's Game and Social Network motifs that he has, where it's like, let's give this montage that's like explaining something complicated to you. Yeah, that Miss Sloan doesn't really have any of that. It's just kind of the pace of the dialogue. So I, I definitely buy it as a pen name for someone, but I don't necessarily leap towards like it is Aaron Sorkin. Well, I take okay. your point. Well, Kevin, you go. So cutting into this theory a little bit is that in preparation for this, I did Google Jonathan Pereira, and you can find videos of the man talking. Damn. Um, oh. <laughs> so, uh, but fake. I don't deep necessarily. Fake. It's think... all a deep fake. I'm. I'm... <laughs> That's what I'm I don't necessarily that think that completely disqualifies the theory. I think one of two things are possible. One, I think he could have just studied Aaron Sorkin yeah. to the brim. Like maybe yeah. he, he he was raised on West Wing and yeah. Sports Night and like emulates that. I mean, I think we have a lot of writers who emulate Amy Sherman Palladino style dialogue uh, yes, on TV right now. So yeah. I think it's entirely possible that like that could have happened. The other I, thing I would say is that Chris's theory is right and like this was a Sorkin draft. It wound up going nowhere, and this guy took it and and sort of basicked it up a little bit. Um, or the reverse happened too, that there was some polish done by someone of like Sorkin's level because Aaron Sorkin has famously done script polishes on things before, just like Carrie Fisher had her hands in like so many things. Diablo Cody does polishes on things all the time. Right. Yeah. But just the fact that it's also in the casting, whereas, like, what Sam yeah. Waterston and Allison Pill were newsroom veterans. Uh, Michael Stuhlbarg was on Studio 60 as a recurring player and then was also in Steve Jobs. Um, Chastain would obviously go on to do Molly's Game, and that's a little bit of a chicken or the egg thing, right? Because Molly's Game comes later, but still. And, like, it's just... Also, there's moments where, like, the part in where Waterston and Lithgow are in the car doing their, like, nefarious thing... And Watterson, just like gratuity, is just like, you know what annihilation means in Latin? And I'm just like, oh my god, he's bringing yeah. it like, yeah. it's It doesn't <laughs> quite have the same um, repetition of specific phrases that a lot of Sorkin stuff has, but like Molly's Game didn't either. Like Molly's Game was the first Sorkin thing in a while where I wonder if somebody went through it with a comb and like didn't like take out themes, but like didn't quite have the... Um, more and more, we're beca- we're expecting less and less of each other, kind of thing. We're like, did you ever watch that supercut? The Sorkinisms, yeah. Kevin T. Porter put it together. The it's... former Gilmore Guys host, yeah. Town is so small; it's almost hard to believe. That's almost hard to believe. It's almost hard to believe. It's almost hard to believe. It's almost hard to believe. Almost hard to believe. It's almost hard to believe. It's almost hard to believe. It's almost hard to believe. Oh, I'm gonna back up a Brinks truck. They drop Brinks trucks. I'm like fifty times smarter than any of you. I'm like a hundred times smarter than you. Why are you always giving me your resume? I happen to be a graduate of the Whartons. I'm a graduate of Harvard and Yale. I graduated from a little institution called Dartmouth. Graduated Phi Beta Kappa, Danny. I have a degree from the University of Michigan. I've got a bachelor's degree in art history. I have actually a master's degree from the University of California at Berkeley. PhD in political economy from Oxford. You have two PhDs. In economics. I have a journalism degree from Northwestern. I have an MD from Harvard. I'm a magna cum laude graduate of Princeton. I was president of Cambridge Union on a Marshall Scholarship. And I am never, ever sick at sea. And I'm never, ever sick at sea! It's so entertaining to watch and go back to, especially if you're like me, who's like a, like, I am an Aaron Sorkin connoisseur. Even when it's bad, it's good. It's like, that's where I am T. with Sorkin. And T. so I love seeing those, like, and but it's very specific phrases. Um, anyway, I don't know. That's my, I, 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 I realize it is a, it's a theory I only half believe in myself, but it's 
there's enough smoke there that I wanted to uh, cast about and see if there was fire. So, and now of course I have like in this weekend of uh, of conspiracy theories, I wanted to start one for myself. So, oh God, go. God. <laughs> <laughs> um, what I was gonna say about. Um, uh, Molly's game. I have a thousand thoughts on Molly's game at all let's, times. It's let's like, do. We won't be able to do an episode on it specifically. So yeah, let's get it yeah, all yeah, out yeah. there. Um, when you're talking about being an Aaron Sorkin connoisseur, even if it's bad, it's good. Like, I'll often tell people how much I love that movie, and they'll be like, "Oh, but the stuff with the dad is awful." I'm like, "Yeah, but that's, that's my thing. That's my hang up too. It's like that movie is great if you turn it off when Kevin Costner shows up. Right. But I, my response to that is always, "Yeah, but it's Aaron Sorkin. Like, I, ex- I expect that. Like, I, right. I almost wouldn't have." had the same affection for the movie if it didn't have the dumb dad subplot. You have not to, because I yeah, you like take the it. sour with the sweet for sure. Right. And it, 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 it's you're not watching an Aaron Sorkin thing if it doesn't have that. You're not a uh, social network if it doesn't have the superfluous plot with the crazy uh, girlfriend of uh, Andrew Garfield's uh, with right. the Brenda Song character. Like yes, I hate that plot line. Yes, that plot line is actually a li- kind of problematic in terms of both how it treats that character as a woman and as an Asian woman in particular. Is it still necessary because it's an Aaron Sorkin movie? Yes. Like, yeah, we can want he, more from for, from him certainly, and we can you know point out his flaws absolutely, a hundred percent. But that's part of dissect, dissecting an Aaron Sorkin movie is yeah. pointing out the flaws. Like, I wouldn't ever want to walk out of an Aaron Sorkin movie and be like, "Wow, I loved every single thing about that." Like, he's yeah. a he's a he's a writer that you want to have problems with. He he invites disagreement, and I think that's why I don't mind the dad subplot is yeah. because. First of all, it takes up relatively little time. Um, Does it though? I am positive that Kevin Costner's monologue is forty-five minutes. Long. <laughs> I will say I that scene on the bench is rough. Yes, I agree. Um, but I sprouted uh, several gray hairs during that monologue. But you also have to remember that movie is like over two hours. Like it's a very yeah, long. It's a movie. long movie. You it's a, you really sit with it. It's true. Yeah. Talk um, about a season of television. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my. Um, well, and go, with both that and Miss Sloan, I actually kind of want to see them both adapted into television miniseries yes. now. Yes, totally. Um, if Jessica Chastain did go to TV, like, we're fully past the point of being like you're slumming it up if you go to TV. All right, if she correct. did something like this on TV, I kind of feel the converse of uh, what we started to talk about earlier in that, like, I think she would be like perennial Emmy nominee and winner. If she did something like this, certainly oh, she'd yeah. win a Golden Globe. Like that's that's you know not even a question. But uh, I, on- I honestly think she could lock into like a, a Allison Janney place circa um, West Wing and Ooh. just keep just yeah. keep winning. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think I think Jessica Chastain is incredibly talented. I don't think we like her for the same things now that we did when she first started. Um, mm-hmm. I, go into remember, that because that's an that's I think I agree with you, but go into that. Um, remember Tree of Life? Like remember how she was Ugh, sort of don't make like? Me, but yes, <laughs> I know. But like I do entire, like her in that a lot. Yeah, the entire idea of like she's more of a concept than a person in that movie. She's sort right. of like dreamlike. She's she's a little bit outside of ourselves. Um, I think a lot of her early roles were more that. I even think about something like the disappearance of Eleanor Rigby in sure. her She by Charette. Mm-hmm. Um, Wait, I think that, what? I said him, him, her, she, by sure. Oh. <laughs> my, my, this is why we have you on, Kevin. This is good. <laughs> um, but, uh, I, I, yeah, I think early on she was more... Directors were using her more as somebody who was a bit of, uh, uh, distant from us. And yeah. now I think she's like 
deeply human to the point of like, and I think that shifted around zero to 30. And I think- Well, because now she's kind of treated like a movie star. Right. But she doesn't, she's not essentially still treated like a movie star because she, like her movies don't make all that much money. After right. Zero Dark Thirty. Right. I think Zero Dark But like she has these headlining roles. Right. I think Zero Dark Thirty was an interesting thing where the entire time we think it's a Jessica Chastain is far away from us performance because we don't know a whole lot about Maya. We don't have many details about her uh, persona. And then at the very end we realize, oh, that was the point of the whole movie the entire time. Um, yeah. I love Zero Dark Thirty. I actually prefer it to Hurt Locker. Um, I've still broken up about how the torture controversy screwed that movie over because I probably would have preferred Jessica Chastain win that Oscar. Hope you're happy, Um, Glenn Greenwald. I know. Um, (laughs) I, I, I will say this. If you give Jessica Chastain the Jennifer Lawrence Oscar, then Jennifer Lawrence wins for American Hustle instead, and that's a dark road I don't 100% 100% want to go down. So like, <laughs> yeah. I think point. I almost have to I have to concede on the Silver Linings playbook here and just Listen. be like, all right, we'll get Jessica another one. But it does Famously seem... as an American Hustle defender, I completely agree with you on that. So I mean, in, in other words, or Kevin, maybe Jennifer Lawrence just doesn't have to have No, Lupita would have lost cuz we got real yeah. close to Lupita losing yeah. anyway. Like, Kevin, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think what you're saying to Jennifer Lawrence in Silver Linings playbook is thank God for you. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for me. Um, yeah. Wait. So I, I, zero dark thirty. I just wanted to like gamify this a little bit because you know I do love zero yes. dark thirty. Is Jessica Chastain's fifth highest box office earner on her okay. uh, filmography. What are the yep. four that beat it? Well, it the ain't help. fucking Dark Phoenix. Uh, <laughs> Not Dark Phoenix. Yeah, dark, dark Phoenix sits at seven. Uh, the Help. Whoever said the Help? That you are correct. I said the Help. All right. Um. Made a shit ton of money. Uh, to, to play by IMDb game rules, one of them is a voice performance. Uh, oh, what is that? I is she... I learned that she was in this movie right now. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea what voice work she's done. Um, okay, three more we have. Well, she was also in... Um, oh, wait, no, never four mind. More. I was thinking of something else. Uh, yeah, three more. It's five above Zero Dark Thirty, you said, I thought. No? No, no four Zero above. Dark Thirty is five. Okay. Um... Zero Dark Thirty, the help. Zero Dark Thirty um, topped out at ninety-five, so the other four are all one hundred and fifty million plus. Oh, Jesus! Well, she's about to have another one with It Chapter Two. Yes. Oh, so It? No, she's not in It. No, no she's not, not in, in Chapter one. one. No. God, God damn it! Okay. Um, uh, oh, The Martian. The Martian. The Martian is her top one. And two, Interstellar. And Interstellar. Yeah. Yes. Martian's her number one she's at two twenty-eight million. Interstellar at one eighty-eight million. So her number two movie is The Voice One. I'm just going to help you out because you're never going to get it. It's the third movie in a series that stars... um, How are we doing this? A best... An actor-director, a star of one of the most popular television shows of all time, the wife of one of the most popular leading men of this current era, and a guy who hosted the oscars twice wow yeah um kimmel i assume is the guy who hosted the oscars twice nope oh it's a third one chris who rock? has hosted the oscars yeah. twice recently uh chris rock yes kimmel chris, oh, rock. chris rock 
Is it Madagascar? It's Madagascar 3. There was a third Madagascar? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And it is Jessica Chastain's second most successful movie. I don't even think I knew that there was a play. I don't even think I knew that there was a second Madagascar. Yeah. If you were casting Jessica Chastain as an animal, what animal do you cast Jessica Chastain as? Well, now I've got to look up and find out what animal she played. So hold on a second. I have to imagine she's like a really stoic, exotic bird or something. I I was going to say gazelle. Yeah. All right. Um, Is she Giselle the gazelle? Something like that? She is an Italian jaguar. Sure. (laughs) Gia, an Italian jaguar and love interest to the Ben Stiller That is definitely the only time she is getting cast as someone named Gia. It's Gia, right, exactly. But, like, her career is, like, Dark Phoenix is perfectly in line with, like, oh, um, movies that seem like they should be big money plays, like big cash-ins, and they're not. Huntsman Winter's War is one of those that, like, Uh, and that topped out at 48 million domestic. Like, it's... It just doesn't quite happen. Um, her sixth, her movie right after Zero Dark Thirty is that movie Mama. Like it's the ones that we don't. Which is know. a good movie. Wow. Yeah, it's not bad. It's who directed that? That was. Uh, it's the same guy that does, that does the that did it movies. It. Right. Yeah. 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 Because yeah, they're friends now, so that's partly what got her into it. Because they're and people online were like, "This girl looks like Jessica Chastain." You guys are friends. Cast your friend. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. Meanwhile, Isla Fisher sits nearby, just seething. Uh, <laughs> uh, wait, what was I going to say about? Um, oh, the help. I wanted to talk about the help because I think it's the one performance early on that she has never really replicated in any way, shape, or form. It's like true. you can kind of like tie these different performances together, right? Like I mentioned, I think that's why she got nominated for yes. that performance because you have agree. a million different performances happening that year, and they. A lot of them are wives and things like that, but that performance stood out the most. And yes. I think she also brought a certain different energy to that movie that really kind of breaks it up in like a necessary way. Yes. So like she is also a benefit to that movie. She's so fun. Um, I miss her. But as I being really fun. think. Yeah. Yeah. I think. Yeah. She's... I don't know if she has fun. I love Jessica Chastain. But I think the fun version of Jessica Chastain now is Miss Sloan and Molly's Game, where it's like, it's not like silly fun. It's like, um, like a good thick thick piece of meat kind of like yeah, yeah. I was gonna say like it's a steak or something. Yes, exactly. That's which I love. Yeah, totally. But like, imagine her in like a rom com, like. I would like to see her be a little bit silly again. The um, way she says the line at the beginning of Miss Sloan, which is still my favorite line of any dialogue she's ever said, which is she and, and Allison Pill are sort of like walk and talking. Again, Sorkin, walk and talk. Yep, yep. Um, and they go into the bathroom and Miss Sl- and, and Sloan goes, you didn't follow me into the crapper to talk about freedom, Jane. Now talk to me about the Nutella tax. And I'm just like, <laughs> so. And that happens at like the five minute mark. And immediately I was like, all of my expectations for this movie went out the window and I'm just like oh I love this movie okay that's what's happening here is I love it so great yeah about about uh 20 minutes into watching it for this podcast I texted Joe and I was just like I forgot this movie slaps so hard because it really good it and and that's like and there are like three or four moments during the movie that it reminds you of that one of them is when she walks in on Jake Lacey who is like shirtless on the bed and he's like, I'm your whore for this movie. And I was just like, yes, movie. Absolutely. I love you so much. Quite literally, Jake Lacey, 
plays a hooker named Ford, spelled with an E yep. in this movie. Yep, important. Important. Uh, every character actress's boyfriend. Yeah. Yep. He was. Oh, and uh, this was during the like the great Jake Lacey sweet spot, where like he was on Girls. He was in um, what was the Jenny Slate movie? Obvious Child. Obvious Child. So good. Like, it's so. It, what a great era. What a great time to be alive. The like. Um, he was in Carol in 2015. He was in... Oh, yeah. Oh, remember? Remember? He was in that movie Love the Coopers that I didn't see, but, like, all those he people... He was on a really good episode of Rami this past season. Yes, he actually of was. Of course, showing up as, like, another boyfriend. <laughs> He's and then, definitely, like, yeah. He's Fosse sort of, Burton, like... He plays the exact same role as... It's just like, oh, you want a, like, really good-looking, upstanding guy to play your, like, boyfriend-slash-husband? Get Jake Lacey who might be phone. kind of a cuck, right? Yeah, right. he's sort lazy. He's sort of like pushover Army Hammer is the way I would put it. Like, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. man, they should play brothers. Jake Lacey's so great. Or something else. I I would never suggest such a thing. But well, there yeah. are there are videos that would have them play brothers that would also do the thing that you want them to do. <laughs> so yeah, we can we can cast them for whatever. Wait, I wanted to play a game because I want a little back up uh, very briefly to the script of it all because this was a script that was on the 2015 blacklist, which is the annual list of best unproduced screenplays in Hollywood. And it's always sort of fun to go back and look at those and see, because it's not always, the blacklist is always interesting if you go back even from like a little bit of a distance. And there's always some that got produced, some that never do get produced, and some that Mm -hmm. like wait a long while. And then all of a sudden it's just like, oh, that one, like, that's odd. And it's not all prestige and it's not all one type of movie that's the interesting thing i think about the blacklist it's just like you'll get broad comedies and you'll get sort of weirdo indies and you'll get movies that are just like very much meant to be big mainstream whatever so you get a lot on the blacklist and i wanted to there are what did i say seven one two three four five six seven movies from the 2015 blacklist besides miss sloan that have either been made into uh feature films or uh, in one case, it's it's going to be released later this year, but it already has a trailer and a release date. So for all intents and purposes, it's you know it's a fully made movie. And I wanted to play a game where we did um, plot keywords a while ago. Chris and I did about. Oh. Mm. So I am going to run down ten plot keywords for each of these movies, and I'm going to like uh, switch off Kevin to Chris and and back and forth and see if you guys can guess what movie I am talking about. I'll give you the year up top. And they were on the blacklist. And they were on the 2015 blacklist. So they're all, you know, 2015 or later movies. Okay. All right. So let me bring this up. I feel like I can remember some of them just from this year's Oscars. Well, we'll see. Kevin, because you are a guest, I'll give you the first crack. So you'll get you'll get to guess... After the first word, if you don't have a guess, I'll give you like a few seconds and then I'll move on to the second one, which will be then Chris's turn to guess. All right. Okay. Okay. So first one, this movie is a 2017 movie. First keyword for Kevin is working class. Mm, It's okay. Yeah. Second keyword for Chris, man in shower. Manchester by the sea. No. Third keyword, uh, bombing. Kevin. Bombing. 
fourth God. fourth keyword for Chris thumbs up gesture. Ah, <laughs> uh, I have no idea. All right, Kevin, mother son relationship. Mother son. I'm trying to remember what has a mother son relationship and also a bombing. Yeah. Um, and a shower scene. Widows? No, Chris. Oh. Boston Red Sox. What? Uh, stronger. Stronger. Yes. Oh, yeah. One for Chris. Stronger is correct. The other ones were double amputation, pride, physical therapy, and marathon. All right. Okay. Pride would have thrown me off. I'm just gonna say different kind of pride. Yes, I know. I know. That's why I put it. Generalized in there. pride. And then also, if you guys can't guess it after the the ten keywords, I also have the tagline. In this case, was loss changes us, tragedy tests us, strength defines us, stronger. Which we could actually talk about on this podcast because Gyllenhaal certainly did have Oscar buzz. Okay, so next one is a 2017 movie. Chris, you'll start off this one. One word title. One word title, 2017. Uh... All right. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, Kevin, jumping into water. Mm, Nope. (laughs) Chris, brother-brother relationship. Brother, brother relationship. Uh, Again, not the kind that Kevin was talking about. <laughs> is it truly a one-word title? Is it like the? No, nope, it's truly a one-word title. Okay, I don't. All right, Kevin, your fourth one is boat race. Twenty seventeen. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. All right, Chris, year nineteen sixty nine. Oh. Uh race i don't know kevin yours is manslaughter whatever this movie is it's fucking wild uh, <laughs> there's a boat race where they accidentally kill someone oh uh chappaquiddick chappaquiddick correct uh, one for kevin very good the other ones were island dear. drunk driving neck brace and martha's vineyard massachusetts <laughs> tagline is you probably got that because you actually saw chappaquiddick I, i'm guessing i did and you know who was really good in that movie was ed helms he really? was actually great in that movie oh, that's amazing all right third one kevin you'll start this one is from 2018 okay. uh first one is new york city you know the one movie in new york city <laughs> uh yeah no all right chris executive assistant I don't know. All right, Kevin. Set it up. What? It is set it up. Wow. <sighs> Dang, that's good. Uh, 20-something, takeout food, rooftop party, gay friend, work-life balance, <laughs> female sports writer, matchmaking, and Netflix original. The fact that the gay friend was fucking Davidson of all people. Fucking Pete Davidson. Tagline, finding love Ew. takes some assistance. Assistance spelled Great tagline. Great tagline. Excellent tagline. Yeah. Um, what was the one tagline that I still feel like hasn't gotten enough credit, which is, oh, book smart, which is um, making straight A's, giving no F's. I'm like, damn it, that's a good tag. That's a good tagline. Yeah. That may be the only thing about book smart that has not gotten proper praise. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Very true. All right. Um, Chris, you will get a first crack at this. This movie is from 2018. Full, um, I'm, no, I'm not going to say anything. I'll, I'll, I'll oh. Um, all right. First one, father-son relationship. Father son relationship 2018. Um, uh, 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 I don't know. Uh, a star is born. No. Uh, Kevin. <laughs> uh, 
Kevin, yours is famous. <laughs> wait, hold on, hold on. Famous blacklist script, A Star Is Born. <laughs> I don't know. I just thought about the whole like that. Uh, You're not uh, my, my dad. dad. You never my will dad. be. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> my dad. yeah. That's a good impression. <laughs> All right, uh, Kevin, yours is Detroit, Michigan. Uh, Detroit. No. Uh, Chris, yours is FBI Raid. And it's not Detroit. Um, <laughs> boy. Y'all remember Detroit? Jesus. Yeah, right. Pass. All right, Kevin, yours is Undercover Informant. Okay, once again, it's not Detroit. It's not um, Detroit. Yep. <laughs> undercover. From last year, you guys. Yeah. Uh, oh, American Animals? No. Oh, okay. Um, good guess. Chris, yours is my favorite cat tagline or keyword of all of these. Crack the drug. <laughs> <laughs> I might know it if it was crack, not the drug. Right. Um, uh, crack is whack. A father-son movie with crack in Detroit. I don't know what this is. Okay. Uh, Kevin, arms dealer. <gasps> Well, it sounds like uh, Chris knows it, but I don't, so I'm going to pass. No, but that that feels more specific than most of these. Crack the drug. Chris, yours is year 1986. 86. Drugs. Guns. FBI. Detroit. Detroit. I don't know, man. All right, this one seems specific enough that if you've seen the movie, you will probably get it, but that's the question. Uh, Kevin, it's drugs hidden in tennis ball. Which is a good sign that I have not seen it. Yeah. Um, I haven't seen it. Yeah, no, I have no idea. All right, nine. Uh, Chris, character name and title. Is it White Boy Rick? It's White Boy Rick. Very good. Oh, okay. very good. The good last catch. one was gender in title, so I feel like I was going to move you toward it. <laughs> Race in title. Uh, yeah, yeah. That's actually that was also another one of them. Is uh, color ah! color in title. Um, the tagline is witness Crack the rise the of America's youngest Rick. hustler, dealer, kingpin, informant legend. Never saw it. White boy, Rick. All right. Remember how that was in at TIFF last year? And, and we were like, no, no thank you. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely not. <laughs> the All right. New York Times said, said no. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Kevin, you're going to start this off. This is a 2017. First one is based on a true story. Sure. Um, Again, the one movie that is what's that? 2017. 2017. Yes, based on a true story. Okay. That one. Yeah, I'm not getting it off. All right, Chris, yours, yours is Severed Ear. Ooh. Um, mm. What movie? Uh, is it All the Money in the World? Wow, yes. Oh, yeah. Damn. I was one of the, like, five people that saw that movie, and I liked it. The I also liked All the Money in the World. I liked it's good. parts of it. Michelle Williams is great. Michelle Williams yeah. is good. I really liked Michelle Williams. It kind of slaps. I also am still shocked that Ridley did not get the director nomination that year but that felt like yeah such an easy narrative to win on right and i like lean on pete in it as well i thought he was good um whatever that actor's name is but the kid from <laughs> lean on pete the other ones were yeah. devoted mother miser ringing phone escape attempt kidnapping oil tycoon ransom demand and grandfather grandson relationship um that tagline was i would have omitted the name but uh, j paul getty had a fortune everybody else paid the price 
all the money in I the world. I think I only remember that because wasn't the poster just an ear like bleeding an was American it? flag yes, or something? It was, it was one of the posters, yeah. That's intense. Yeah. Okay. I probably should have put that later on in the list then. All right. Who, Kevin, you went first on the last one. So Chris, you'll go first. This one is a 2019 movie. It is also Ooh. based on a true story. That is your first one, based on a true story. From this year. Yeah. Oh, um, this one. Cats. This one is, um, wait, what did you say? Cats. No, it's not cats. <laughs> this one, well, I'll tell you after. All right, second one is Close Up on Eyes. <laughs> the Handmaid's Tale season three. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. All right, Chris, Submerged in Water. Ooh. Big little eyes. I don't know. <laughs> All right, number four, uh, Kevin, Red Door. Why does that sound so familiar? This is going to drive me crazy. Uh, pass. All right, Chris, Southern Accent. <sighs> Red Door, true story. Uh, I don't know. Kevin, Bowling Scene. <sighs> bowling Widows. Scene. No, that's 2018. Um, also not a true story. <laughs> wait. Yeah, no, that's right. Uh, yeah, I don't know. All right, Chris, character name and title. Oh. Is this um, out? Or is this, like, in development still? Or, or, like, coming out later this is year? It, com- it can't be coming out later this year. It wouldn't have those tags. So character name and title. All right, here's what I will Southern come clean accent. and say. I, I wrote the keywords to this one. Oh, okay. Ooh, evil, evil man. Um, okay, so eyes, a red door, character name and title. Uh, I will I say know. make this guess a good one because the next one he's going to get it. Don't, make count, ca- don't count on that. Wait, I have to make a good guess because Kevin's gonna get the next Kevin one. Kevin gets the next one. Yeah, this is yours. This is yours. Oh, okay. Um, uh, it's not out yet. It's coming. It's um. Uh, All right, I got to call time. Time. Yeah. All I mean, right. I, I gave up a hot second ago. All right, Kevin. Yours is astronaut. Oh come oh, on! Uh, at Astra. Oh, no, it is not Ad Astra. Uh, Chris, yours is View of Earth from Space. Lucy in the car Uh, with diapers. Lucy in the sky. At this point on the blacklist, it was on there as pale blue dot. The 10th keyword is, in fact, diaper. Okay. Um, I should have, I forgot about name and title. Everything else from that, of those keywords came from a viewing of the trailer, except for diaper, which I'm assuming... They are holding for the big surprise. Okay. Are we sure yes. that's going to be a 2019 release? I, it has a release uh, yes, date Yes, it now, just right? got dated. Yeah. yeah. It got it? dated this week. October. Okay. Yeah. All right, all right, yeah. Um, I'm hoping. Every time I see that trailer, I want to see it more. All right. So last one. Um, Kevin, you get first one on yeah. this. It's from 2017. It is Miami, Florida. <gasps> oh, Moonlight. No. No. Wrong year. Never mind. Uh, Chris, yours is female politician. Oh, crap. It's not what I was going to guess. Um, female, politician. female politician in Florida. I should know this, but I don't know. All right. Three. Uh, Kevin, LGBTQ. It's not Moonlight. Um, uh, 
This is going to drive me insane. I don't know. All right, Chris, male objectification. Oh, hell yeah. It's Magic Mike double XL. It not. No, it's Wait, not. No, that's not that's not the ear. Yeah. Uh, Kevin, cocaine. What the fuck? Oh, uh, oh, oh. Um, Florida Project? No. Chris. I was like, where's the male objectification? There's no politician. That was going to be my guess. <laughs> Friendship yeah. between women. With cocaine, a female politician, and male objectification. I love movies about female friendship, so I know I've seen this movie. And it's also gays, like... Yeah. Are they gay female friends? I'm not saying. I don't have a guess right, for you, Kevin, so I'm gonna... You're... Oh, I know exactly what it is. Um, it was not called uh, Rough Night at that point. It was called Move That Body. Yes, wow, very good. Damn it! Rough night, known as Move That Body. The other ones were Mistaken Identity, Jet Ski, Closing the Eyes of a Dead Man, and Bachelorette Party. Not a good movie. I was reading through, I saw that that movie in a theater, and I still was going to the Wikipedia page and being like, oh yeah, they were in this movie. They were in this movie. Yeah. Do you remember who the politician was? No. Scarlett Johansson. Scarlett Johansson was the politician. Oh, she is the politician. That's right, because... Alana Glazer and and Zoe Kravitz are the former college girlfriends who who get back together. Jillian Bell and Kate McKinnon are the other ones. There is one really good joke in that movie. It is at the very end. It is after Zoe Zoe and um, uh, Alana have gotten back together. And a guy, so it's a flashback, it's a, it's a callback to a previous scene when they had gotten hit on at a party and they'd been like, we're together. And the guy had been like, can I watch or whatever? And so now contemporary in 2017, they're back together and they tell a guy who tries to hit on them at a party. And the guy just bows his head a little bit and goes, love wins. <laughs> <laughs> that script was uh, Paul W. Downs and someone. And he plays ScarJo's. A fiance in that movie. He, of course, um, was on Broad City with Alana Glazer and other stuff. Yes. Okay. So excellent job. That's with that about game, the most guys. challenging game that we've had. However, I'm glad you brought up the blacklist because this is a very blacklisty script. Yes. Of the type of thing where you could see like people being like, "This is amazing. You could make some money off of yes, this movie." Yes. Absolutely. And then it kind of is just. I don't want to say flat, because I do actually really like this movie, but in a certain sense, you can understand why this movie didn't make any money and didn't did you guys go and check out at the time. Did you guys go and check out the Rotten Tomatoes score on this? It was so much higher than I thought it was. It's in the 80s or 70s? It's the 70s. It's 71. Yeah. I was like, I was shocked. But the Metacritic is at like 60. Yeah, that yeah. makes sense. That, Where that, it's like, that it gets good, my, uh, mostly mildly good reviews. Yeah. It's a three. It's a three star movie. Like it, it yes. firmly sits on that side of the positive scale. But yeah. a, no one's. It's not going to be anybody's favorite. I also think it has a major problem with like deluge of characters, mm-hmm. um, because it, the movie only cares about Miss Sloan. Again, day, it right? would have worked better as yeah. a TV show. I think for that reason. Right. Yeah. Right. But like the amount of time we spend with Esme Manicharian, which again. That and Rodolfo Schmidt are the two most insane names in the How movie. about that montage uh, of just radio hosts being like Esme Manchurian? And she's like, no, it's Manchurian. Who does that yeah. serve? What What about the movie gets like made better by that? It's just like, good. This, uh, I don't know. But also... Well, Chastain at one point even calls her Manchurian. Yes, she yeah. does. And, and, and it's Esme like, this Manchurian is a joke that doesn't work. 
Yeah. The Esme, yeah, the Esme Manchurian Candidate. Um, I, like, if it's a TV show, Baranski's character gets a whole episode to yeah. chew the scenery, as she does in, like, she's in this movie for, I want to say, 39 seconds. <laughs> And makes the she's absolute smoking in it. all of it. She says yeah. at one point, "All oh, you're the only thing you're missing is a dick." Put that on a goddamn <laughs> ringtone. I want that. <laughs> Why is that gif not all over gay Twitter right now? The only thing you're missing is a dick. Because because <laughs> three of us saw Miss Sloan and we're all right here. <laughs> okay, but here's the thing about Miss Sloan. This is a case of the type of movie that I think if you remove it from the Oscar race, you put it out in like the spring, everybody goes to see this movie and enjoys it. Or at least makes, you know, three or four times right. what this actually sure. made in the theaters. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I think that this was a movie that did not need to be competing for Oscars, but I also understand why if you're a distributor who has a Jessica Chastain vehicle when Jessica Chastain right. seemed to overdo you push for it. You know, yeah. I get I, I get the strategy there. Well, and yeah. she did end up getting... But this was also an incredibly competitive Best Actress year. That's what yeah. I want to talk about. Yeah, for sure. Because she gets the Golden Globe nomination for Best Actress. So, like, technically she's part of the race, but there were so many top contenders that almost immediately, even after the Golden Globe nomination, she was still an afterthought because it's just like, it's so, it was so fiercely uh, fought over. Chris, why don't you lay that, lay out who the major contenders were that year? Okay. The major contenders are, you obviously have um, Emma Stone winning for La La Land. Ugh. She and Natalie Portman are basically the only people who show up everywhere. Natalie for Jackie. Um, yeah. Natalie for Jackie, obviously. Um, Jackie. But then you also have Amy <laughs> Adams, who we were talking off mic before we were recording. Her not being nominated for that Oscar is truly shocking because she showed up for every precursor. Yeah. She won the National Board um, of Review Award. She was nominated for the Globe, the SAG, the BAFTA. Yeah. Um, and then the other nominees, you have Isabelle Huppert nominated for Elle, who won the Globe, but didn't show up at Screen Actors Guild. You have uh, <laughs> Meryl nominated for one of her first worst performances in Florence Foster Jenkins. She showed up almost everywhere except, I think, Broadcast Critics, the uh, Critics' Choice. Um, and then Ruth Which is wild because they have 17 nominations, but yes. yeah. Right. Well, the underrated thing about that Meryl nomination that I think has already started to be sort of lost to history was... Is she this won was their the... comedy category. Well, no. I don't. Did she win? I don't think she... She no. won the Critics' Choice oh, comedy Critics category, Choice. but the actual oh, wow. Best Actress, she did not win. Oh, oh right, because Critics' she Choice... she wasn't nominated. Right, because Critics' Choice yeah. separates that out. But I was going to say... Sorry to split it up. So after... So the Trump election happens in the middle of this awards campaign, and Meryl then gets the Golden Globe... Um, yeah. Cecil B. DeMille Award, Award. And she gives that phenomenal speech that literally people were like, she should run for president. And I was like, calm down, but also it was great. Yeah. But, like, oh, Trump God. got mad at her and was, like, tweeting mean things about her. It's just like... She was absolutely getting nominated when that speech Well, that's happened. what right. I mean. That's why that's such a big factor into why she got nominated for the Oscar that year. And... But we but we haven't mentioned the fifth person in this category, who I think is kind of the most interesting person in this category. Ruth Nega? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mentioned her. Who, who, like, oh, you mentioned her, sorry. Who shows yeah. up at the... Gets a Globe nomination. I will always remember her getting that Globe nomination because Streep mentions her in her um in her speech she loves shouting out the other women she does I it lo listen, we we talked Adep about it during the proof episode the uh adapero <laughs> odebia how well. about adapero odebia huh how uh, about pariah Gilda swinton 
It's so good. So, yeah. So, and then, but then after the Globes, Ruth Nega really doesn't show up anywhere else. And everybody sort of assumed that that was just not going to happen. Loving had fully right. receded from all the other places. Edgerton wasn't going to get nominated for Best Actor. And then... She's a British actress, and she's Irish, I believe. Irish, or yeah. she's Scottish. Boy, and you're just doing didn't Meryl even nominate right her. Yeah, yeah. You know, what is Hollywood, anyway? It's just a bunch of people from other places. I was born and raised and educated in the public schools of New Jersey. Viola was born in a sharecropper's cabin in South Carolina, came up in Central Falls, Rhode Island. Sarah Paulson was born in Florida, raised by a single mom in Brooklyn. Sarah Jessica Parker was one of seven or eight kids from Ohio. Amy Adams was born in Vicenza, Veneto, Italy. And Natalie Portman was born in Jerusalem. Where are their birth certificates? And the beautiful Ruth Nega was born in Addis Ababa, Ethiopia, raised in London, no, in Ireland, I do believe. And she's here nominated for playing a small town girl from Virginia. Ryan Gosling, like all the nicest people, is Canadian. <laughs> and Dev Patel was born in Kenya, raised in London, and is here for playing an Indian raised in Tasmania. So Hollywood is crawling with outsiders and foreigners. And if we kick them all out, you'll have nothing to watch but football and mixed martial arts, which are not the arts. I mean, I remember, so that was obviously the year of Hidden Figures. And I remember it right. feeling like if there's going to be a black actress in the top five, it's going to be Taraji P. Henson on the strength of mm-hmm. the the box office and just the the you ways in which in, that you had were the all in on the hidden figures surge. I mean, I was right when fucking uh, uh, pundits whom shall not be named were like leaving <laughs> it off their best picture list yeah. until the last possible second. I was like, guys, this thing has made so much fucking money. It I remember so I went to money. went and people to, love that movie. I went to my screening of it and there was this white white old male ass producer there. And he literally yelled bravo and stood up at the end. And I was like, oh, like, yeah. It's happening, y'all. It's, yeah. Well, I mean, it just has so many, like, home run scenes. Like the bathroom scene with, with Kirsten Dunst and uh, Octavia Spencer. Yeah. The knocking down the sign scene. Like, it, I, th- I, I, my appreciation, my appreciation for that movie has lessened a little bit over time. Because I do think it was pretty basic. But I also think in that moment it was probably the best thing that could have come out to address that moment. It was very much the Oscar so white response of a movie. Like it literally got greenlit in the wake of the first Oscar so white. Right. Right. Um, so yeah, well, I, I, I remember it being at Toronto and I don't, it wasn't even finished cause they didn't screen the it whole wasn't, movie. It wasn't right. They showed clips of the movie they, and they did like a concert and they right. like fully deployed like the, you know, the selected Oscar pundits to like, cover it and to sort of give it shine and it was as well plotted out it was the the release date was moved because it was originally supposed to be like a late january release and Mm -hmm. they were like well we'll give it an oscar run like that announcement came pretty late in the game like it was it was deployed if they'd had more time it would have gotten more nominations than it did I think that's Oh, true. yeah, because it was only on the rise. Because it didn't get anything below the line, right? Like, it didn't even get a costume nomination. No, which is right? actually crazy. It should have gotten a costume nomination. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, did it get? A, it got a best original song. If we're counting that below the line, um, it did not. Yes, it did. I don't think it did. It didn't. Did it? I usually remember a song. I could be crazy. Keep going though. Talk it was about certainly it. It massively in the conversation. If it didn't get nominated, that's uh, okay. Because um, it was being it was mad that, that it didn't. It was thing. that. So there was the song that was really good from it, which was Pharrell's "Runnin." Right. And then there was another. Yes. And then there was another Pharrell song that was the one they were campaigning harder. And I yeah. was annoyed that it kept showing up because it, I was like, it did not get a song nomination. That was the year. Three nominations are Best Picture, Supporting Actress for Octavia and Spencer, screenplay. and Adapted Screenplay. Yeah. 2016 was the first year in a very, very long time that there were more good contenders for best song. Because this was, of course, the year right after um, uh, Spectre wins, the Sam Smith one for Spectre. And I was literally just like, shut this entire category down. But like, then 2016 comes along. La La Land has several songs that were contenders, ends up winning. And the worst one won. That's true. It did. Um, I would have nominated, yeah, any of the other ones. It also got nominated for Audition, The Fools Who Dream. Which should have, which should have, I I love how, I love how. Kevin, I have a really important question. How's your aunt doing? Uh, well, she did used to live in Paris. No, I, I, as much as I make fun of that line, I think that song is Mm -hmm. so excellent. I also think it's easily the best thing Pasek and Paul have ever written because it, it does this really clever trick where it starts off really lyrically simple as somebody who's literally making up a monologue on the fly would do. And then a, when it hits around the bridge, it gets so complex and so um, deep, and I just love it. And then at the end, it fades back up into being simple again. And it's gorgeous. The, the music itself is gorgeous. Oh, my God. I, I am a big Moana fan in general. Um, I, I would love not that have... song. I love That how was my I winner. I, I get why people wanted that song to win. I got it. My nominee for that movie actually would have been You're Welcome, because I think that's the most fun song yeah. in the movie. Um, but uh, Audition to me was just... I mean, it, they loved La La Land. It was sitting right there. And they were like, what if we go with the song with two notes and <laughs> Ryan Gosling just sort of talks over and it worked. So yeah. You know what they should have nominated? They should have nominated the John Legend song that we're supposed to hate because that song is fantastic. It's a bop. <laughs> it's a bop. Oh, God. This is the this is the um, Lady Gaga ass song from a Why Star did you Born do that? Excuse good you. Argument. Call it That's... by its name. All over No, again. it is way better than why did you do that? Uh, I don't know. Start why a fire. Did you do that is good. Great. If we're gonna relitigate anything about La La Land, we're gonna relitigate that Start a Fire is a good song. Wow. Yeah. Wow. But, All right, so the 2016 uh, best song race, though, because it also, so that category gets filled out by Justin Timberlake's Can't Stop the Feeling from Trolls, which was never not going to get nominated. It was by far correct. the biggest hit of anything that was nominated. Correct. And then the uh, the J. Ralph, annual J. Ralph song, which was The Empty Chair from the James Foley documentary, which is oh, so, not like, good one. it's such a heavy movie, but it's just like, it was almost a parody of those nominations where it's just like, oh, right, the one song now has to be nominated from a weird documentary and it has to be written by J. Ralph and that was just the it's one. It's also co-written by Sting and I would really like to just like assemble all of Sting's Oscar nominations and take the lyrics out of them and you have to guess what fucking movie they're from. Yeah, I would lose instantly. But so that was the year where like any of the other ones from La La Land could have get nominated. Any of the other ones from Moana. There were songs from Popstar Never Stop Never Stoppin' that could have been nominated. Yeah. That was the year of Sing Street. So like Drive It Like You Stole It was right there. <sighs> would have been oh a fantastic God. nomination. Was that also um uh coen brothers movie um uh hell caesar no dames yeah no dames 
Yeah, been a great. No Dames wasn't eligible though. Well, that fuck true? that. <laughs> I know that's so stupid. stupid. That was the year of Zoom. It, wa- it wasn't on the long list of eligible songs. Boom. Uh, possibly because it wasn't submitted. That it could have not be been guess. submitted. That could have been true. Um, that was Zootopia year. So try everything. The Shakira song that I love deeply could have been a bop. Yes. There was that year that like the the Netflix documentary about campus assault was there that Tori Amos had a song on, and you know I would have driven. I would have rode hard for that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's sort of strange in retrospect that the Try Everything song didn't get nominated just because, I mean, uh, so my whole thing that year was that Animated was going to be like a, a knockdown drag out battle between Moana and Zootopia. Zootopia. And Zootopia and just steamrolled it. Zootopia swept immediately. Like yeah. did, it didn't even take a second. Um, but it's weird that it couldn't get the equivalent song nomination while Moana did considering enthusiasm for Zootopia was clearly much higher than it was for Moana. That's very true. Yeah, because people were talking about Zootopia getting a screenplay nomination. I sort of think it should have. Also, that was the year that Sia had, like, multiple songs over multiple end credits of movies. She had the one from Lion. I am a high connoisseur of the Sia end credits song. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Well, Sia had written "Try Everything," right? That was right. yes. And but also, she had the song from the end credits of "Lion" and the one from that Eagle Huntress movie. Remember that one? Also, was this also the year of Neon Demon? Maybe. It might have been. Because I remember being that weird person that's like, actually, the Neon Demon song's really good. <laughs> the thing about Moana is this. So again, the Trump election happens in the middle of this Oscar season. Uh, famously, have we talked about this? On, well, no. So Kevin's here. So we get to talk about this. The last movie that I saw in the theater before the Trump election, Kevin and I went and saw a press screening of Almost Christmas. Yes. was... A, you and I have definitely talked about it because it was the last movie I saw before the election, too, because I think I saw it. It was the last day I've ever felt truly happy. And <laughs> yeah, it was, I saw it the day before election night. That's what we did. It's so good. It's so fun. Monique is goddamn a treasure in that movie. Yep. She's so great. I'm his wife, you dumb bitch. Who are you calling a dumb bitch? You, you dumb bitch, young bitch, silly bitch, dead bitch. She got the gun, bitch. Lonnie, if you're gonna bring bitches in here, bring a smart bitch. So Best Actress, yeah. I want to talk about real fast just because I derailed us off of that. But like um, that, so it was the five was Nega, Streep, uh, uh, Portman, Hooper, Hooper and Stone. And Hooper and Nega were very much sort of like the gatecrashers at the last second where they were probably competing with slots with um, an Amy Adams. 20th century women, Amy Adams for Arrival, Taraji P. Henson for Hidden Figures. I feel like Jessica Chastain for Miss Sloan probably wasn't even in the top 10. If that was the case, she was like number 10. Right. But considering she only got a Globe nomination for it, uh, she's probably far outside. Like, th- that movie was fully forgotten by nomination. Agreed. The time. Agreed. I have nothing specifically against Emma Stone in La La Land. I think she's very good, I think. And I just like her as an actress. Nor do I have anything against really, you know, certainly not Portman or Isabel Huppert or Ruth Nega. We can all agree that, like, this is not a street performance you want to nominate. But we all get why it was after the Globes. But, like, it's... It was crushing at the time to just be like, wow, my two by a mile favorite performances in this category this year were Amy Adams and there. Annette yeah. Benning. And Correct. 
I think if there was anybody that could have taken it from Emma Stone, it, even though she didn't win anything leading up to it, it would have been Amy Adams. Amy Adams yes. Because it was weird. Come around nomination time, it felt like there was this momentum of, like, a rival might not win for anything, but Amy Adams is doing some career best yeah. work in it. Yeah. Maybe there could be a shift in the tide for Amy Adams, and then she doesn't get nominated. Yeah, because people loved Arrival. Like, I remember yeah. when it won that sound Oscar. People, I mean, I was jumping out of my seat just because I was like, oh my god, Arrival won an Oscar. Like, I was just so excited yeah. that my favorite and, movie of the year was getting something. And as um, much as Twitter loves to backlash against everything, that is a performance that, like, really has stood up, and, like, people really... Yep really recognize how good, what good work that was. And it's astounding to me that that year the Amy Adams Oscar narrative never kicked in. That would be, you know, know, you know, she's been nominated X amount of times and it's never won. And that it does kick in for shit like Vice is so annoying to me when yeah, it's like selective in its application. Yeah. Reese, Emma Stone will always be the right performer in the right movie at the right time Oscar example for me because I'm someone who, like, I won't knock it, but I don't have really much to say about the performance itself. Like, I would nominate Jessica Chastain in Miss Sloan over this every day of the week than Emma Stone in Love. Hmm, I don't know if I agree, but I also don't think Emma Stone should have won there. And I think it's a classic example of the Oscars feeling like they needed to an award a performer right at that moment and it turned out that they were very wrong because the very next year she has Battle of the Sexes and she is excellent in Battle of the Sexes. And then the year she after that it was the favorite. Yes. Yeah. I sometimes get pushback from people on the favorite because they're like, well if she hadn't won for La La Land, she would have never done the favorite and I don't hundred percent agree, but like If I hear that point, my counter-argument is she would have campaigned so fucking hard for Battle of the Sexes. Um, She would have done every press appearance for it. Frances McDormand did not need a second Oscar. Like, that would have been easily hers. And I think that she probably would have, if if that hadn't happened, she probably would have won this year for the favorite. Like, she continues to top herself, and it's kind of embarrassing in retrospect that they felt the need to give it to Stone in a year that had so many amazing things going for it, and also not a year that would have seen La La Land go home empty-handed. La La Land won a lot of Oscars. It didn't need Best Actress. Yeah. Um, out of that entire phenomenon, which I think we can agree, like as much as we've already talked about 2016, it's sort of a landmark Oscar year Absolutely. in terms of just how many wild things happened and how many great movies there were. I think it's a fantastic um, top 10 best picture, that uh, list. It absolutely is. It absolutely is. I had several on that There's list. There's two movies I outright hate, though, in which ones? best picture lineup. Hacksaw Ridge. Hacksaw Ridge and Hell or High Water. Oh, I, I love, love Hell or High, High Water. Water. Oh, I hated it. <laughs> Joe, you and I saw Hell and High Water together. It was like we one did. of the last things we did before I moved. Yeah. At the Nighthawk in uh, in Brooklyn. And even yeah. and Hacksaw Ridge I don't think is a good movie, but I for whatever reason very much disassociate my feelings about Mel Gibson from that movie, and probably because he's not in it. Um mm-hmm. and I remember sort of like rooting trying to find a way to root for Andrew Garfield as an individual sort of divorced from the rest of that and ultimately it was uh, impossible to do that but um that was tough though because he should have been nominated for silence that year right and he was nominated for yeah he's so good in silence yeah yeah Yeah. um i never saw hacksaw ridge i will never see hacksaw ridge yeah you're fine 
did I have a moment of fear jolt through my body when it won that editing Oscar? I sure did. I was like, (laughs) oh, shit. Here we go. Yeah. Yeah. But even the people, so the people who say that Emma Stone wouldn't have gone for something as daring as the favorite if she hadn't won the Oscar for La La Land. She had already been nominated for Birdman. This is exactly the wildest argument. Right, right. right. She was already taking chances. This This is a direction that her career was going in anyway. I will maybe make the argument that lesbian period comedy is a little bit riskier than sure, but Batman. I think it's going it's it's that same path. I think it's maybe further yeah. down that path, which is like yes. that makes sense Agreed. too. Yeah, agree. Even though he makes out there movies, you can't tell me there isn't a person in Hollywood that isn't like clawing tooth and nail to work with you. Especially now, I, yeah, yeah. I was gonna say, especially it. after the favorite, that's true. Um, but like I even think... after the Lobster, that was true. Like that was, I yeah. think people really took notice of that more than I even expected them to. But I, th- I think the fact that the favorite was a little bit more—it's so weird to call that movie conventional because it's not in <laughs> any way, shape, or form. But like, but it's a, a costume. Bit... Yeah, it's in the costume yeah. of something that you would have recognized from something else. But yeah, yeah, yeah. right. It doesn't feel like a movie that would be enhanced dramatically if you took some sort of acid before, which is something that can be said about most of other <laughs> right Lanthimos movies. Right. Um. <laughs> Yeah. Well, is there anything we want to get to before we jump into the IMDb game? Well, Chris, you wanted to hop back to Miss Sloan, and I interrupted. Uh, well, it's just, it's a little, uh, we kind of glibly mentioned it at the top of the episode. I wonder if being in our climate now, because it felt very much at the time, this movie deals with a gun lobby, and that wasn't the conversation we were having in the time, very especially right, right yeah. after... Trump was elected, I feel like this movie would have galvanized people a lot more today, or at least maybe it's just the recency of what's going on as we're recording it. I agree with than you. it did at the time. I would love to see what this movie would do if it was released this fall. Yeah, I think um, one problem with the movie is that it's never 100% clear about like what her politics yeah yeah beyond wanting to fight the gun lobby i i assumed watching this movie the first time when she's insistent she's like what if i just you know uh give a damn or whatever you know like basically like why why do i have to have a rooted interest in this i assumed the big reveal would be that she She it would be it would be a runaway jury type reveal right like yeah all all along is that what the reveal is in one runaway jury that rachel vice has a Oh yeah, uh, Rachel Weisz and uh, I totally forgot that movie. John Cusack, uh, yeah, because you know in the original book it's a smoking. Yes, uh, you're right. It's a smoking case, and it gets changed to guns because the insider had just come out. Um, right. So yeah, so yeah, that's the big reveal of Runaway Jury, which is a movie that I think actually kind of works in dialogue with this movie really well um, yeah, in that's terms a good of point. like, in terms of like the ways in which dealing with guns in this country is not just a. Um, I guess what's the right way to put this? Um, I feel like a lot of time the gun control discourse gets boiled down to just sort of like it's it should be this simple, and it's actually that it's actually not not just yeah. for constitutional reasons, but also like I'm from Texas. I grew up with people who have traditions of guns in their family. Like there's right. deep seated emotional stuff, right? And I think that both Runaway Jury and Miss Sloan get to the idea of like, yeah, it's going to take a lot. It's going to take yeah. some deeper psychological, structural stuff to actually yeah. make change. And I love the scene with the lawyer at the end where he, where she's like, you know, it worked, didn't it? To get the, the, cause she winds up going to jail at the end. Uh, basically, I guess, punishing herself by 
intentionally misfiling some paperwork. Um, Taking one for the team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, Not telling them so that none of them would also be implicated. Right, 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 right. right. Um, which is meant to be seen as like she finally cared about other people. Um, a redemptive moment at the end. Um, but she says it worked, didn't it? And her lawyer says, yeah, now, uh, now. Uh, gun owners are going to have to go on the black market instead or something like right, that. Right, they have to face the inconvenience of buying their guns on the black market. Yeah. Right, and I actually really like that line because it's like, yeah, it does take bitter battles to get mm -hmm. even a modicum right. of progress. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and I think that's what we've seen after every tragedy, right? And and I think every time we, you know, we're obviously recording this fairly shortly in the wake of the three shootings um, in I forget the third location, but Dayton, El Paso and... Uh, Northern California. Yes, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, and I think that, you know, once again, we're seeing, it, as we did after Sandy Hook, as we did after um, Aurora, as we did after uh, um, uh, March, March for Our Lives Kids, um, somewhere else Parkland. in Florida. Yeah. Parkland, thank you. Yeah. Um, I think we're seeing a lot of people who are just like, this should be so simple. And I'm like, I agree, it's not going to be. It's not going and, to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, Again, and more, more fuel for my idea that this would be a great television series. But yeah. I think you're right in that... That you can have extended conversations. Yeah. Um, but I think you, again, bringing in Molly's game, I think in Molly, Molly's game gives us a much better picture and a much better sense of who the Jessica Chastain character in that is. I feel like, yes, I feel like in Miss Sloan, I think even by the end, that character is still so elusive. I still don't feel like we really yeah, know Yeah, she's she kind of a barking enigma. Yeah. Whereas, but that's partly what I think makes the movie so fun. Like, I kind of don't want to leave it in a, and maybe that's the, back to the thing of like, this would be such a good TV show that I don't want to necessarily walk away knowing exactly who she is and what all of right. her motives are because that's what makes the process of the movie. Well, and part of the mm. part of what makes me think TV show when I look at this is isn't even necessarily the good parts. It is the way that like Elizabeth Sloan sometimes feels like a standard issue TV anti-heroine, right? Where yes. it's just like it's right. Patty Hughes a little bit watered down or you know, whatever it's, she's, you know, you know, she's going to end up betraying the people closest to her. You know, she's going to like break the rules and break the laws and whatever, but she's going to be right in the end and she's going to be the smartest person in the room and yada, yada. And nothing it's, in the movie complicates that in any really interesting way. Right. It's very, um, Kira Sedgwick as Brenda Lee Johnson in the early days of the closer <laughs> before she got that affectionate with her team. Cause people forget like early on, like that was the prototype for the, like mm -hmm. more yeah. so than Patty Hughes on damages, I would say. And it wound up sort of becoming an ensemble show in its later years. And that character softened a lot, but early on she was horrible to her team and constantly screwed them over. Isn't that also the premise of bones? That, like, Emily Deschanel is sort of on the spectrum, and she doesn't, like, she, like, pushes yeah. people away, and she is very hard to work with and very prickly and whatnot. Like, it's less uh, intentional, I would say. Gotcha. I think I think she's more does it by accident. Um, yeah. But, yeah. Oh, Bones. Yeah. Some Bones talk. This is now a Bones podcast. Bones podcast. Bones cast. This had Oscar yeah. Bones. This had Oscar Bones. This is... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Input the following address into your browser. 193.184.216.449. Download a file named Earthquake. Do we have any final thoughts on Miss Sloan? 
I really like the nerdy kid from Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. I don't think we really need to say much more about that, but the one who yeah. plays the, like, frightened child on Miss yeah. Sloan's team. Gun scare me. Yeah, gun yeah. scare me. I really liked him. <laughs> I like that Christine Baranski smoking a cigarette in her scene as if that needed, like, one more element of, like... It's she's already got the cardigan and she's already like speaking like she's foul mouthed and whatever, but like also yeah. the cigarette. It was great. Can I ask sort of a tacky question? And yes. Uh, yes. do we think that in making Tessa Thompson as popular as we have, we have sort of unintentionally lost Gugumabatha I say that just because they are they are similar aesthetically in terms of like and I feel like they've had had similar come ups around the same time. Um, and it feels like the marvel of it all has really pushed Tessa Thompson to the forefront of all of our conversations. And I actually I mean, can't remember the last time we talked about Gugu Mbatha-Ra. Poor Gugu Mbatha-Ra does not get the roles, unfortunately. I mean, she played a fucking feather duster in Beauty and the Beast. <laughs> did, did either of you guys get to see this movie Fast Color? No, I haven't no. yet, but I'm excited I, to. I really want to see it. I have not seen it. Yeah, I've been excited to see it since it got greenlit, and uh, if I could have gotten a either response to my request for my request for a screener, or if they had just played it in my city, that movie was handled so poorly. Yeah, it was. It was handled very poorly. I think it's. I think it's now available on Prime. Perhaps I could be wrong. Uh, It's rentable. rentable. I don't think it is streaming. I rented Miss Sloan, and I was happy with it. So I think I'll go probably rent uh, Fast Color as well. I did want to just like empty out the last couple notes of mine. One of which is one day I want to work on a project where I move headshots from one section of a bulletin board to the other section of a bulletin board. I feel mm-hmm. like that would be fun. <laughs> I feel like that would be good. Very satisfying. Um, I have. I want to railroad somebody with a tab nine <laughs> when she yeah. unveils in a staff meeting. That one of them. That was had. great. Everybody opened up to tab nine. Has been. The I one. don't have tab yeah. nine. Yeah, because you are tab nine. Um, yeah, that was great. My various Jake Lacey notes. One of them is just oof, Jake Lacey. Like that's basically it. Um, one of them is the part where he shows up at the hearing at the end, and he says, "I work at a, as an escort in D.C." And they cut to the one woman journalist like leans forward in her seat. I was <laughs> like, like, "And your rate is all of us." <laughs> and then my last note on this movie is uh, verbatim: "Get you a hot ass who will perjure himself before the United States Senate for you." Which that's yeah. perjury, babe. That's perjury, yeah. babe. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, Jake Lacey is hot in this movie, but can we also just mention for a hot second that everyone is hot in this True. movie? Mark Strong, like, who I don't everybody... normally go for, is like kind of snacky in this movie. Yeah, everybody like you could conceivably have sex with every person in this movie. Yeah, yep. the guy they even like gave John Lithgow like the hottest possible haircut he can have. That guy who plays uh, Ross, the guy on her uh, press or her team, who um, is like sort of clashy in a rom-com way with Gugu Mbatha-Ra's character. Again, something that could have been explored in a television show. Oh, like, he's, he's very super cute. hot. Like, he's very cute. Yeah. Yeah. The guy who shoots uh, Esme's attacker is hot. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Maybe maybe a conservative. I, I, I'll come to that he's bridge the, when I have uh, to cross uh, it. He's Joe the Plumber of that particular political moment in the world of this movie, but yeah. I messaged both of you that my Pornhub search history is just Michael Stolbarg <laughs> shouting unalienable rights. Or some, whatever he says. This Brutal. was also right before the Stolbarg assance, you know? Because the next yes. year he was yeah. in, like, three of the Best Picture nominees and all that. Yeah. Um, and Listen, I was hot for Michael Stolbarg since a serious man. I 
Call me, Michael. (laughs) All right, Chris, why don't you tell us about how the IMDb game works so we can jump right into that. All right, so the IMDb game. Every week we end our episodes with the IMDb game where we challenge each other with an actor or actress to try to guess the top four titles that IMDb says that they are most known for. If any of those titles are television or voiceover work, we mention that up front. After two wrong guesses, we get the remaining titles release years as a clue. If that's not enough, it just becomes a free-for-all of hints. That's the IMDb game. It's very fun. So because there's three of us this time, we are uh, going to go in kind of a round-robin fashion. I will give my clue to Kevin. Kevin, you will give to Chris. Chris, you'll give to me. How's that? Sounds good. Fantastic. All right. Kevin, do you want to guess first or give first or observe first? I'll observe first. Okay, cool. Joseph, would you like me to give to you then? Yes, why don't you do that? Okay, so... One person who was left out of this a very, very crowded Best Actress year, who like probably still didn't make my ballot, but deserved way more mention than she got. She only got a Critics' Choice Comedy nomination. I am talking about the great Kate Beckinsale in Love and Friendship. Oh, so good. She's so good in that movie. So funny. That's an incredible performance that by the year. end of the year, everyone forgot about, and she deserves so much better for that incredible performance true. but joseph your challenge for the imdb game this week is kate beckinsale okay underworld yes underworld underworld Underworld, the first underworld not the not the sequels to underworld okay Uh, i I can't oh god is there another underworld shit um well i'll save that for later um Pearl Harbor. Follow up to... No, not Pearl Harbor. Wow. People kind of have forgotten that Pearl Harbor exists. Yeah. Y'all mentioned it recently, and I was like, oh yeah, Pearl Harbor. It was on TV the other day, and I was was surprised at how um, terrible it is. It's... Surprise? (laughs) No, I that's that's the joke. Um, We are notedly the uh, Pearl Harbor, the film historian. I do still love that Faith Hill song, but everything other than that is... Yeah. I'll keep part of you with me, and everywhere I go, there you'll be. Yes, exactly. All right. Um, is Last Days of Disco one of hers? No. Damn it. So you have two wrong guesses. Your years are 2004, 2006, and 2007. All right. One of those is an Underworld movie, but I'll wait. I, I will be fair, and I will say that there is one more Underworld of what is looking like one, two, three, four... Underworld movies that she is in. No, five. She's in five Underworld movies, and I think there's one that doesn't have her. There's a lot of Underworld movies. The only other Underworld title that I know of is Underworld Evolution, so I'm just going to say that. Congratulations. You Thank got God. the needle in the Thank haystack. Thank God, because I would have been like, Underworld Evolution. Rise of the Silver Surfer? Like, I don't know. <laughs> For specificity, <laughs> Underworld Evolution is the second Underworld. Okay. It's also the one that has, like, snow on the poster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that the one where it's, like, yeah, like, snow on her face or whatever? She's, like, looking sure. very icy. Yep, she's got crisscross guns. Yes. My, per- um, my personal favorite is Underworld Turn Off the Dark. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Okay, so what are my other years? 2004, 2007. Hmm, okay. Kate Beckinsale. 2004 is The Aviator? 2004 is The Aviator, Wild. where she plays Ava Gardner. For like four scenes. Like, she's barely in that movie. At the end of that 
nine-hour movie. I will say that's a movie I saw again, or at least parts of it again recently. She's a lot better in that than I remembered at the time. I think for a while, we as Americans got fooled into thinking Kate Beckinsale was a bad actress because of a movie like Pearl Harbor, and because then she jumped right into all those Underworld movies. She's so much she's better great. than we... Like, we kind of, like, sandbagged her for a while, and it's too bad, because she's great. And what's my uh, my last year that I'm missing? 2007, which is probably closer to the type of thing that made us think she was a bad actress. Oh, okay. 2007. 2007 isn't Click, because that's 2006. It is not. It is not the same genre as Click. So not a comedy. Action? No, but you're on the right track. Horror? Yes. Kate Beckinsale horror movie that's not an underworld movie. You might have forgotten that this movie exists because this movie doesn't exist. So it did not do well. I don't think it did well. Let me see what this box office is. It made $19 million at the box office. Yeah. Is And it's not a remake of anything? I don't believe so, but the horror, like... I guess gist of it, like what it would have been sold on, is a familiar trope for horror movies in terms of where it takes place. Where it takes place. Perhaps where it takes place would have the title listed on the place. Is it like like a home invasion? No. Though where do you stay when you're not at home? A hotel. What would a hotel sign possibly vacancy. say? Vacancy. It's vacancy. It Jesus. is vacancy. <laughs> wow, you're right. That movie doesn't exist. Horror film vacancy with Luke Wilson. Fully doesn't exist. That's insane that that's doesn't one exist. of her. That's one of her four. Wow. Do better, IMDb. I don't know. All right. Do better, IMDb, and do better, listeners. Go watch Love and Friendship. Yes, go watch Love and Friendship and and The Last Days of Disco. She's great in both of those. All right, Kevin, I am going to give you an actress. So I went the Gugu Mabatha Raw route in terms of finding somebody else. And this... Is it Mini Driver? Is it Mini Driver? (laughs) I'm getting there. This is a movie (laughs) that is important for our friendship in that we really bonded over Gugu Mabatha Raw and Mini Driver playing mother and daughter in the film Beyond the Lights. So, yes, Kevin. Good movie. She was on that balcony. What's that? She was on that balcony. She was on that balcony. We did what we had to do. There was never any we. Your word was gospel. Oh, wait, so now you're a victim? When did you ever tell me that you didn't want this? When I was on that balcony. You promised me that was a mistake. You wanted it to be a mistake. When I needed a mother, you were always my manager. I was your manager! I was your mother! I was your father! I was whatever I had to be in order to take care of you! You didn't take care of me. You took care of my career! I made you a bloody star! And everyone who looked down on you would suddenly look up to you. Prove to the world you weren't a fuck-up. It was never about me. It was always about you. Don't you dare question my love for you! She wanted to jump. Oh, God, so good. So, yes, the phenomenal Minnie Driver from that movie. Please guess her four uh, IMDb known for us. Uh, any TV? No television. No Will and Grace, damn. No um, Speechless, no The Riches. Yeah, jeez. Oh, my God. She loved The Riches. Um, I love The Riches. Um, the Riches was uh, great. Good Will Hunting. Yes, correct. Her only Oscar nomination. Um, 
Gross Point Blank? Yes, correct. Okay, all right, all right. Those are the two that I was... Gross Point Blank has a very vocal cult. Yeah. Both 1997 movies. That was a good year for her. Even um, though she got dumped on Oprah by uh, by Matt Damon. Yikes, yeah. The many reasons why we don't like Matt Damon. <laughs> yep. uh, about a boy. No, incorrect. Although she's great in that. Oh, that's though that she's in the TV. She's in, about a boy. she's in the TV version of About a Boy. She's not in the movie version. Uh-huh. Oh, right. Duh. Can I get that? No, never mind. I'll take that. Um, no, I think you should get that back because you already said he already said no to you. Yes, being our guest. Yes, you should. Get okay, that. I appreciate that. Thank you. Um, also, no Will and Grace for TV, and that's one of her right. best television roles. Yes, one of her best roles. Period. Hello, mother. Um. I assume, well, I don't want to use this. Well, I have it for you. Uh, Beyond the Lights. No, it's not Beyond the Lights. Okay, all right, all right. I never know where y'all sit on using the thing. That I they, tend yeah. to not. Yeah. And Chris tends to guess. Yeah. Um, oh. Oh, I'm trying to think, would it be on here? I'm going to save that. Um... <laughs> <laughs> it would be crazy if that one was on there. Feel free to talk it through. Feel free to uh, air your thoughts. I will not betray any direction one way or the other. Well, I was going to say fan of the opera, but it would be insane for that to be on there. Um, is it, would it not be insane? Okay, fine. I, I will just say I am going through her IMDb page right now, and there's a lot of things that would be absolutely insane. Well, that's 100% true. Um, yeah, fine. I'll go with uh, Fan of the Opera. Correct. <laughs> you got it. <laughs> Phantom of the Opera. Remember when people thought that she would be nominated for Phantom of the Opera? Oh, yeah. Remember when, like, David Poland guaranteed that that was going to be a Best Picture nominee, if not frontrunner, to win? Remember, yes. Remember when? I'm not going to say that. <laughs> All right, one more, Kevin. And you only have one strike. Uh, no animated, right? No animated. Okay, because I was going to go with Tarzan. Um, y'all's favorite movie, I know. Um, (laughs) Yeah. God, I have no idea. I think this is a little insane that this is on here. Oh, great. Okay. I I remember it better than you guys would because of my... I mean, I remember it. It's just like, boy. Yeah. (sighs) I need to just throw out a guess because I want to hear. Um... What else has she been in? Is the thing? Uh, oh, uh, she was in of all things, uh, Hope Springs. Uh, no, yeah, that is not correct. But yes, yeah. Hope Springs. So yeah, all right. So your year is nineteen ninety six. This is fully evidence for why I say that like TNT and TBS totally have an <laughs> influence on the algorithm because this is totally a TNT movie. Oh. Uh, uh, trying to remember the title. Um, Sleepers. Yes, correct. Oh, thank God. Sleepers. Yes. Weirdly I, enough, it's not the, the TNT most hint prominent. helped a lot. It's the 1996 movie that people remember less, I think, now because Big Night was also 1996, and that is right. by far more remembered by at least film fans. I have never seen either, but I. Oh, Big Night's I, really good. Sleepers is okay. like Big Night's fun. Sleepers is sort of like a bummer, but like it's not bad. Uh, and okay. the cast in Sleepers is insane. Back when I used to do uh, Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon in my chemistry class, rather than chemistry, that was a big <laughs> that was a big uh, fulcrum point for getting to Kevin Bacon because that cast is De Niro and Dustin Hoffman and Brad Pitt and 
um jason patrick who else is in that movie mini driver obviously it's just it's brad renfro another good movie. fulcrum is flatliners oh yeah flatliners is a great one the, the flatliners big, was something i was thinking of but i did not the pillars of, of kevin bacon of six degrees of kevin bacon were jfk sleepers um fuck there was one more that was like this insanely huge cast but i remember that like jfk was a really really big one flatliners was one of them and this was before mystic river although that would have been like a really really big one but it would have been like um oh apollo 13 apollo 13 and a few good men and jfk and sleepers those oh, were like the big men yeah. Yeah, yeah 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 anyway well done kevin well done so now give... that was yeah yes okay so uh for chris I decided to go with uh, in the most violent year route because, as I've mentioned several times on this oh. episode, I love the most violent year. This was very disrespectful. This was very disrespectful. And I went with one of her co-stars in that movie, not uh, not Oscar Isaac, but actually, uh, I went with Albert Brooks. Albert Brooks. Okay. Well, I forget that he is in a most violent year, um, though he is good in it. Uh, Drive. Correct. Um, broadcast news. Correct. Uh, I'm trying to think of which of those early 80s, 70s movies to guess. Uh, coming to America? Not Coming to America. What, um, what's it? Lost in America. Correct. Yeah. Wow, wow, that would have been okay. wild if Albert Brooks was in Coming to America. I was like, I, don't I know what you're one. going for, no, but that's I, not I, it. I, I was just, I, I was talking too fast. Is <laughs> it... I know it's not going to be The Muse, though The Muse is great, and we should do an episode on The Muse at some point. Any excuse to talk about Sharon Stone? Wait, is, is there any voice work? Is is there any voice work? No. Okay, so no Finding Nemo. Um, Correct. Defending Your Life? Correct. Well done. Wow. Perfect score! Nice I job. thought you would have guessed Mother, at least. Not that Mother. <laughs> That is true. We could do multiple mother movies. Yeah, that's true. Spot. But what if we do just back to I back? I think our listeners would kill us if we did the Albert, Albert Brooks mother before the Aronofsky mother. What if we did a you month? You should do a double we, episode. What if we did a month that we did mother, mother, mama, and ma? Stepmom. <gasps> stepmom. Wait, yeah, that's what right. Oscar buzz did ma have? Yeah. Mother, mother, stepmom. Um, and what's another one that actually did have? Uh, although I, I like closing it with ma just to be defiant. But... Uh, I will personally write an article that supports Octavia Spencer for the There Oscar we go. Then we can count it. Guess. Perfect. Our influence. Yeah. <laughs> this was such fun. Uh, Kevin, thank you so much for joining us for this episode. We really had a fantastic time. Yes. Thank you all for having me. I know we just talked for like hours and hours. Uh, it's perfect. Great time. It's exactly yeah. what we wanted. So thank you. Um, that is our episode. If you want more of this head Oscar buzz, you can check out the Tumblr at this head Oscar You should also follow our Twitter account at had underscore Oscar underscore buzz. Kevin O'Keefe, thank you so much. Where would you like to direct our listeners if they want to see or hear or read more of you? Uh, well, uh, read more of me would be on twitter.com uh, slash Kevin P. O'Keefe. That is my handle. Two E's, two F's, one E. Uh, C, I guess, would be Instagram at the same handle. <laughs> Kevin P. O'Keefe. Uh, and then if you want to hear me, I 
do podcast a little bit primarily about The Real Housewives these days. Um, I have a series on the podcast Hot and Bravo called Housewives Herstory, in which we dive deep onto one particular season at a Housewives show. The last one we did was Real Housewives of Beverly Hills season five. We typically do three or two, three, four part podcasts similar to the reunions every season. Um, and we really sort of like dig deep on not just sort of like what happened, but also the political machinations that were happening around a season, the production influence. It's sort of, I, I like to think we're like doing for it what um, this podcast does for movies or you are uh, a wine wealth does for of information for housewives. And you also yes, have your yeah. newsletter about old drag race seasons. Yes, yeah, no, I have a Patreon, yeah. Uh, if you want to subscribe to my Patreon, it's called Drag Race Rewind. You can just Google Patreon Drag Race Rewind. Actually, at this point, Drag Race Rewind would probably work. Um, and if you chip in just three bucks, you get a recap of any episode or whatever episode I'm doing that week. We are currently a little over halfway through season seven. Um, and I guess I can reveal here that the next uh, season is going to be season three, um, which I'm very excited yes. to dig back into. Yeah. Um, is a season Underrated that, season. Uh, I think it's overrated, actually, but I'm excited to be proven Dang. wrong. I, my, my big problem with the season is that it drags on once it hits top six because they keep bringing people back. That is very um, true, as but, the show is prone to do. Yes, but uh, iconic cast. So, yeah, so you can you can subscribe to me there if you want. Um, that $3 also gets you access to all of the old recaps, which is season four and all of season seven so far. So consider doing that if you love RuPaul's Drag Race. It's good. It's, a good, it's money well spent is what I will say. Uh, Christopher, where can the listeners find you and your stuff? Uh, when I am not canvassing for the Nutella tax, you can find me on <laughs> Twitter.com. It is Chris V. File. That's F-E-I-L. Also on Letterboxd under the same name. And I write regularly for the film experience. Excellent. I am on Twitter at Joe Reed. Reed is spelled R-E-I-D. I am also on Letterboxd as Joe Reed, spelled the exact same way. We would like to thank Kyle Cummings for his fantastic artwork and Dave Gonzalez and Gavin Mevius for their technical guidance. Please remember to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, or wherever else you get podcasts. A five-star review in particular really helps us out with visibility on Apple Podcasts, so please write us a review that includes a concise explanation of why cookies and cakes are taxed at different rates upon import, and <laughs> remember to love us. So thank you for listening. This has been a great episode. Thanks. That's all for this week, but we hope you'll be back next week for more buzz. Everyone's a winner.